one, two, three, four, five. Welcome back to the Team CJ Podcast. We are on episode 63, and we got a packed show. <laughs> like, we're, we're probably going to go over on pretty much everything this time around, because we've got three topics, two of which I know are going to probably take up a good chunk of discussion. We yep. watched a movie, and you guys watched another movie. Um, yeah, although we probably won't talk about that long, because I feel like we yeah. already discussed it. <laughs> Just a little bit. But the the yeah. movie, the first movie we watched, um, the man who would be king. I absolutely loved that movie. That was that was a great watch. Um, from seventy five. Yeah, and then last we've got a uh, a new uh, segment to try out for segment three. We do. Yeah. The, oh yes, the, we do. Yeah, it was it my was idea. Was <laughs> <laughs> a debate. Then. It's been a week, all right. <laughs> all right, so let's let's not waste any more time on that. So, uh, do you oh. want to start with one of your topics, or should I go ahead with mine? Yeah, should we start with China? Yeah, go with China. This is funny. So there's there's been a few developments with China in terms of video games this week. But uh, uh, yeah. do you do you want to give the, a brief outline of of the the history yeah. and things of this? Yeah, yeah. So China has had an interesting relationship with uh, video games. Um, if you go back far enough, the big thing, like I remember, there was a controversy that came around World of Warcraft like 15 years ago with Chinese gold farmers. They just Literally, they'd, they'd make a decent income just farming gold. I actually think it was like 20 years ago now. Um, then, you know, you get these big Chinese mega game companies like Tencent that own like League of Legends. And I think even Pokemon Unite is uh, owned by them. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> but then, because it's China's big, like a big push um, to try and, I guess, groom their youth into what they want them to be. Um, they, they've done, like, a ban on effeminate men in media and celebrities. Um, they're doing a bunch of censorship in terms of, of games. Like, you can't have gay characters. You can't have non... You, you could never have occult stuff. I remember in uh, Rainbow Six Siege, they took out slot machines, too, because you couldn't have gambling in there. And there were certain levels you couldn't have Halloween decorations. I mean, I'm happy with taking out slot machine games because, well, frankly, no, I think it wasn't a game. They were it was a background. You were just in a casino in Rainbow Six. Oh, and they I just you meant the loot box part of it. No, 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 no. That they were fine with that. But now, more recently, <laughs> they've decided uh, to uh, they're going to put a ban in. They they put a ban in on kids playing video games and the amount of time they could do it, uh, uh, like a light restriction. And yep. then they more most recently are now limiting it to the like people under the age of 18 can only play video games for like one hour three days a week so it's like friday saturday sunday and they they were they the actual statement i think from their government was they were calling video games like opium of the mind or something like that or or look they're they're again referencing back to when you know opium was kind of ravaging china in terms of addiction yeah. back in the 1800s. as opposed to opium which is opium of the mind <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that, that seems like i may be misquoting that but they, they compared it to opium um yeah. and that i guess brings us to what you wanted to talk about these these bans well yeah it's blown up obviously very recently because of these new restrictions on games um and i thought hell i'm gonna have a look at some of the uh the games that they've banned in the past mm. uh and I, i've come across a a list um <laughs> It's it's a Wikipedia list, so who the fuck knows if it's correct or not? But frankly, yeah, some but, of the stuff but, on there is. Before you get into this, I just want to. Speaking of bans in China, one of my absolute favorite things that China has ever banned is Winnie the Pooh. 
and they banned Winnie the Pooh because Oh, people... hang on, let me guess. Because people were putting that leader on the fucking guy's, on Winnie the Pooh's face, and... Well, there's, there's a famous picture of uh, Xi Jinping, the, um, the head of the Chinese Communist Party, the, the de facto leader of the country, walking next to Obama, and it looks just like, like the old picture of Winnie the Pooh walking next to Tigger. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and of course, so they banned Winnie the Pooh, because people were comparing him to Winnie the Pooh. And so now, as a result, I actually almost didn't remember his name, because I always just call him Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Anytime somebody gets, like, pissed enough at a comparison like that, that they'll go out and try to ban it and try to stop them, like, I'm, I'm calling you that from now on. God, yeah, cancel culture. Anyway, but go it's a big on. Thing in there. Anyway, yes, yeah, so, fun little thing we were, we were going to do. Uh, I'm going to read out a game that China has banned, and Kaiser has to guess the reason why it was banned. This is going to be fun. Uh, now, there aren't a great deal of them on this <laughs> list, and I'm only going to pick the ones that are actually interesting or that we actually know. But yeah, here we go. So, first game. It seems to be an alphabetical word, so you know what's coming first. Animal Crossing New Horizons is banned in China. Why is it banned? Um, I think it's because the characters are like cheaties. Like, yeah, I, you think the... I, 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 I remember... Maybe if this was... If this if it's a more recent ban, that, that would be my guess. But maybe... April 2020. Oh, April 2020? Okay, maybe not then. Uh, well, it got banned the moment it came out then. Because that's, that's when the game was released. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm going to say it was probably because there's occult stuff in it. Like, there's... I think there's, like, ghosts and things and... Right, okay. That's 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 my guess. I, I actually there's a million different reasons I could think of why they did it, but that that's gonna be my best guess. I don't think you'll you will you <laughs> The reason is brilliant. At least the reason they give here. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was banned in the People's Republic of China since April tenth, twenty twenty. The game was pulled from the store. Uh, as players created and posted anti-government messages in in-game oh. with a custom pattern tool. Okay. Um, I could see so that. Rioting in Animal Crossing, would you believe it? Uh, there has been no official ban announcement. Oh, was there no official announcement whether the ban was enforced by the government of the People's Republic of China or by the people who provided the game. However, the game is still on sale... On the Chinese grey market. Yeah. You can still get That's a thing? Like... <clears throat> yeah. It's not quite as bad as the black market. But, I mean, yeah, you, you get that. It's not strictly illegal, like, but you can still buy it from non-official sources. Okay. Game number two. Moving on to B. Okay. Battlefield 4. Specifically 4. In the Battlefield Four, I I played that game, but it's so much like every other generic. I've played up till. Do you fight I've, I've China in three, that game? Not four. Do you what? I don't know. Maybe you fight China in that game. Do you fight against communists? I, gonna... I don't know. I haven't played Battlefield Four. <laughs> I I have it on my bookshelf. I've beaten it. I don't remember anything about it. Mm. <laughs> like... Well, I mean, is that much of an impression on you? <laughs> I mean, most of these, like, Call of Duty, Battlefield-style games, the, the storyline is so vacuous that it just goes in yeah. and out of your head. 
so what do you think the reason is? I think I think in the game you're maybe you like fight communists. You might actually be fighting China or maybe a Chinese ally. Battlefield yeah, Battlefield Four banned for discrediting China's national image as well as threatening national security. Yeah. The Chinese ministry claims that the game shows a cultural invasion. <laughs> as opposed to in ten years' time when China will be doing a real world invasion. <laughs> Man, you're giving them a lot more credit. <laughs> I think they're... Uh, uh, I don't know, maybe they're going to invade Reddit or something, who knows. They, they've been uh, given, like, Taiwan eyes for, like, a few years now. So. <laughs> for a second there, hang on, Taiwan, I th- I, my mind went to... I thought you were making a very iffy statement about Taiwanese people for a second there. No, no, I, I think Taiwan's <laughs> awesome. Like yeah, they, no, no, no. They make all the computer chips in the world, and they're I the last bastion that... of like, you know, free Chinese people essentially. Yeah. Anyway, important. Uh, up to let's see, and this is a game near and dear to my heart, which I, I'm surprised to see it on this list, but I'm not surprised that it's here. Like, I'm surprised because, I don't know. Command and Conquer Generals. Oh. I was literally talking to you this, like, two weeks ago. Completely unrelated. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 at risk of repeating myself, I honestly think it's probably the same thing. I, I believe you actually, ha- like, fight against China in this. Or, is this the one where Japan has super mechs? No, that's no, Red no. Alert. That's Red Alert. I'm that's thinking of Red, Red Alert. Alert. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you you probably have to fight against China, or they make China look bad or something like that in the game. Like, they're probably a faction. So, Chronicle of Generals, there are three factions. There's America, China, and um, basically the, the GLA, the Global Liberation Army, a.k.a. terrorists. Yeah. Um, but, here we go. Uh, banned for smearing the image of China and the Chinese army... Although the game presents China as a protagonist and glorifies the People's Liberation Army, uh, China the camp the China campaign has the player destroy questionable targets such as the Three Gorges Dam and the Hong Kong Convention and Exhibition Center in order to snap out an invading terrorist organization. Yeah. They're even the protagonists, and they're fucking shitting on their games. Well, they, they probably don't. The Three Gorges Jam Dam is probably a, a big one, because that was, like, this huge industrial project over there, and the, the CCP was like, oh, look at this great work of engineering that we've done, and they mm. probably don't like you blowing it up in the campaign. <laughs> to flush out terrorists, though. Yeah, but they... that So, um... That's actually reminiscent of something uh, the previous Chinese uh, regime did during World War Two, when mm. when Japan invaded, they actually uh, flooded an entire valley and killed like hundreds of thousands of their own people just to slow down the Japanese. So they might right. not like that little reference to yeah, their history not, either. Actually. Yeah. The the other, I mean honestly, you mentioned Japan. I'm surprised Japan aren't pissed off because they're having China blowing up their exhibition center. Well, then, you <laughs> said Hong Kong. Oh, yeah, sorry. Why did it say Japan? I swear it said Japan. I said Japan. I thought it said it in the text. I, I, was, I was talking about how I thought that maybe because Japan looked good in it. But. Uh, right. F. Football Manager 2005. 
You can't say this one is about the army looking bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or can well, you? It's <laughs> just a pitch invasion at mid-time. <laughs> I'm just... I don't know, I'm trying to think, like, what they could possibly... <laughs> about did... football. Football is not communist in... Why oh, Russian? hold on. Is, um, is Taiwan a country in that? Is that your answer? That's my answer. I think it, I think Taiwan's a country. Banned for recognizing Taiwan. Boom. And Tibet. Oh yeah. As okay. independent countries. Yeah, and China uh, considers them both provinces. An edited version was later released globally. Yeah. Uh, next one, yeah, a surprising you, one. Taiwan's considering, a country. Considering how um, Taiwan number one. Uh, oh my god. Considering how uh, widespread this game is, I'm surprised. Uh, Fortnite. Why is that banned? Hmm. I imagine it probably has something to do with one of the skins. Um, I because there's like a billion and a half different skins in that game. There are a lot of skins. And I, they probably have one that's offensive to something the CCP likes. They've also got a lot of brands associated with it because they've got a lot of deals with like Star Wars, yeah, John Wick, all sorts. I don't know. I'm gonna say yeah. They they probably have some some skin that the Chinese Communist Party doesn't like or doesn't like seeing get you know shot at. Okay, so I agree with that statement, but that's not what it says here. Okay. The reason they banned it is because it contains blood, gore, and vulgar content. Fortnite contains blood, gore, and vulgar content. It has none of those things in there. <laughs> right? I, I... That's literally none of them. I've played it before. It, it's, it's literally, like, the most cartoony of the cartoon violence. Like, it's a kid's game. It's worldwide recognized as a kid's game. Yeah, there's like, not... What's next? Splatoon? For profanity? <laughs> like... It's, that's so weird to me, because I don't... Is is PUBG banned? Because that, that I can't game... I can see on this list. It, it's the same genre, and that one actually does have, like, blood. Blood and gore. Yeah. Well, maybe not gore. Not gore, gore, but yeah. you, you shoot somebody, like, and... And that's, that's more realistic. Mm. That's so weird to me. Alright, next one. Uh, Hearts of Iron... Oh, this one's pretty, uh, probably going to be pretty easy. Because in Hearts of Iron, I'm pretty sure you can play as other, like, global factions. It's not just based out of the European theater. I think you can play as, um, factions in Asia. Specifically, I think you can play as Japan conquering China. Um, and I don't think they'd like that. Okay, so, you're full into the trap! Oh god, what is it? <laughs> banned because it depicted disputed territories such as Tibet and Taiwan <laughs> as independent nations. It came back, baby! <laughs> god damn it. What they got the, against Tibet the and like, Taiwan? I think the, the general theme in this is you really get like three or four general reasons. They, they either make China look bad... They recognize disputed regions as independent countries. They have or, anything to do with Tibet or Taiwan. 
or they they have like depictions of things they don't think are proper, like blood, mm. gore, gambling. The Which occult. is too, because like every game out there these days has blood in some manner. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of uh, Knives Out? Yeah, I hated that movie. I didn't hate it. It was just like is okay. it a movie? Yeah, it's a movie. Oh. Amazon did a movie of it. Uh, maybe there's a game for it too. I guess. Do you want to give a reason for why it's bad? Um. God, if it's anything like the movie, just poor taste. Uh, banned because it, and word for word, I'm gonna say this: banned because it overly revealing female characters, and because contains blood, gore, and vulgar content. I this may be a different game than the because there is a movie called Knives Out, and it's sort of like a Agatha Christie murder mystery. Kind of. Agatha Christie is not particularly f revealing female characters. <laughs> I hope not, anyway. I don't remember Poirot going into an orgy. Oh my god. Alright. <laughs> um, how many more of these do we, do we got? Because we're, we're halfway. Uh, I'm going to have, let's say, two more. Okay, two more. Let's, let's hear them. Okay. Paladins. So that game is a ripoff of Overwatch. I... I just gonna. I'm gonna go back to because this hasn't been right yet, but I'm gonna say it has something to do with the occult, like because Paladin. I feel like there's gonna be like ghosts and zombies and shit in there. Uh, a playable character was removed from the game, citing gore and his ability to resurrect upon death. So, Boom. Reaper from uh, yeah. Overwatch. The game was later banned outright, citing overly revealing ca female characters, blood gore, basically blood gore, the blood gore and vulgar content they've got for a lot of these. Like, I'll, I'll skip past a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and again, overly revealing female characters. I don't think they are, they're like cartoon characters again. I mean... Boobies. Okay. Widowmaker. She got that ass. But, uh... <laughs> Didn't they actually... Yeah, they censored one of Tracer's poses in the US. Because she she, she was standing, like, with her, her back to the camera and, like, looking over her shoulder. Yeah. And people over here got pissed because she had a nice ass. And they're like, oh, you're just doing this to appeal to men. It's like, yeah. So? She's gay. Deal with it. <laughs> Those men have just been blue-balled. Yeah. Um... And I, actually, the, uh, I think that that's sexist. Both men and women can appreciate a nice ass. Oh, yeah. Alright, go on. Last game. Uh, and the last one, which I'm sure you can probably work out why. Plague Inc. Evolved. <laughs> yeah. Um, th so, Plague is a game where you uh, spread a... You, you craft a disease. Yes, a virus. It can your your goal is to kill off the whole world population with a disease, and yeah. you you play as the disease, choosing traits when to evolve and infect people and whatnot. I don't know. Is it because China literally played this game in real life? Banned in China as a result of the COVID nineteen pandemic. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> like shit. We mustn't let people know that we've fucked up the world! <laughs> Ban them all!
Oh my god. <laughs> like that's gonna help anything. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, anyway, that was that was my list. God. Oh, you did pretty good. good. Yeah. I, like, I, I got most of them right. I mean, they, they really only have, like, four strings to the bow when it comes to why yeah. they, they ban things over there. Also, I think a lot of those reasons weren't the legitimate reasons why they didn't. Oh, yeah, there, there was probably other other backroom reasons why they were doing that. But it's Wikipedia, so, you know, they can just cancel it and change it whenever they want. Yeah, that's that's why there was a research project I had to do back in college, and... Um, the professor who was guiding it, one of his favorite things to say, like, just, he hated Wikipedia. He's like, that's not a source. Don't cite it. Mm. You can use Wikipedia to find other sources sometimes, because they'll cite books and things. But you should never use it as a primary source. One, because it's constantly changing, and two, because it's writ written by people who may or may not have any credentials whatsoever. Yeah. <clears throat> just, just to, uh... To um, on the page, there's, like I said, this big table with all the games China's banned, and immediately below it, no video games have ever been banned in Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, did they even have the games in Cuba? They they were a little bit pissed off at Call of Duty Black Ops, because you shoot Fidel Castro, but it was only a double, so they were fine with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Oh, that's funny. They, like, he just... There's there's plenty of games out there that it it says something about a country when they they can't take any sort of like light criticism or mockery. Yeah, I'll, sorry, I'm I'm just going off a tangent. Denmark, uh, EA Sports is the only game that was not released in Denmark because of a law prohibiting marketing for energy drinks. Good on Denmark, honestly. Yeah, I think in fuck EA Sports. There's a few EA games um, that like that. Um, the Dutch oh, were banning. MMA. Yeah, there was there was um yeah. over the whole loot box thing. I think it was the Netherlands that like yeah. called it gambling and then you know banned it. And I I totally agree. Honestly, I think I, I wouldn't be upset if all the loot box games yeah just vanished. Yeah, loot boxes need to burn in a fire. Yeah. Anyway, of, moving on. Yeah. Okay. So. Slightly different uh, topic, um, although it yep. kind oh, of it kind of follows on from what we were just talking about. I was thinking about this over the course of the week. Um, mm. Just, I, I think it was after we had watched that movie, the the man who would be king, and it was just like it was, a, it was something that occurred to me, like the changes in what people are calling for to be like centered or removed from movies. So, for instance. Um, you know, 50 years ago, you know, like, outright violence, like, blood, gore, gratuitous nudity, um, and stuff like that, that was the kind of thing that you just didn't put in a movie. Yeah. Because it would be, you know, it would, it would, it was considered, like, shocking for an audience or something like that, or just not something that you'd have there. But you could have people you know, smoking or drinking or talking about fairly heavy topics and stuff like that. But then fast forward to, like, the 90s, and it was extremely taboo in most mainstream movies to have people um, smoking or drinking or doing anything like that. But you could have, as you know, as much violence and titties as you wanted. Like, that was fine. 
And you actually, around that time, got people calling for old movies to have, like, you know, cigarettes airbrushed out of people's hands and stuff like that so they didn't show up in the movie. And that's what really bothered me is that sort of revisionism. Yeah, editing history to benefit. Yeah, and they're like, oh, but it'll be great because now more people in a modern audience can enjoy it. And it's like, well, no. It, people still enjoy it. <laughs> this is because I enjoy, like history so much as as a topic like i i love reading about it i love watching documentaries i've always it's it's been a hobby of mine since i was old enough to read um so it really really bothers me when people go back and try to take history out of context or modify it to to meet some to meet some kind of like modern sensibility um yeah. But one, one thing I was thinking of, and I remembered this line. There's a movie I love called Thank You for Smoking. Right. And it's about a, uh, a tobacco company, company lobbyist and some of the weird misadventures he has trying to play the game that you had to play back in that era of, you know, uh, trying to get people to smoke and to advertise, but also dealing with all, like, the health people and the activists and, the, oh, but think of the children. Um, I mean, to be fair, back then it was like, you know, the dentist recommends this pack of cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. Like, those were a thing. That, well, that's that's how it used to be. Yeah, it was, um, that's, yeah, that's how it was in the early 60s. It's like, nine out of ten doctors smoke this brand. And... Yeah. Marlboro. <clears throat> yeah. But the, um... There's a line in that movie um, where he's talking to a movie executive to talk about getting cigarettes back into the hands of people on screen. And the movie executive is talking to his assistant. He's like, you know, this is, you know, whatever. And he um, he's looking to get cigarettes into the hands of somebody other than our usual Ravs. And the, the lobbyist goes, Ravs? And he's like, oh, Russian, Russians, Arabs, and villains. Cause, and that was, but that, I thought about it. That, that really was a trope back in the 90s, mm. like... Those are the only people that smoked on screen was the villains or like, you know, sinister foreigners. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, they, they, they were the ones that typically smoked the cigars, but quite often there were the good guys smoking regular cigarettes. I mean, when, when was, um, oh, this is a lot more modern, but when, when did Cowboy Bebop come out? Oh yeah. Cowboy Bebop. That was the nineties, but that was Japan. Um, and yeah, but my, my point, and this is my point about changing uh, taboos. Now you we're now in the 2020s and I feel like every TV show I'm watching, people are like smoking and drinking and doing drugs and whatever. Yeah, I don't think you're allowed to in England at least have smoking. Peaky Blinders? Do they actually smoke? They smoke constantly in that movie. Yeah, they do, don't they? they got cigars. Yeah. Cigars, cigarettes, everything. When did they make that legal again then? I don't know. But the, but think about it. They're like they're in an average episode. Like they're tons of like substances. Like there's the whole thing with Arthur doing cocaine and um, yeah, but drugs are different. I don't think they fall under the remit. But, also, but my are point, the cigarettes lit. Yes, they're, are they? Go back and watch any episode of Peaky Blinders, and I guarantee you, people will be smoking. And they'll be drinking and they'll be doing drugs just constantly. But my my point is, it went from being that we've kind of come full circle again because in the '90s none of that would make it on TV, not to like mm. a general audience. Um, 
And if it did, it'd be considered kind of gauche, or you'd have to yeah. have somebody, you know, immediately coughing and dying in a ditch because they got lung cancer. Um, but they've kind of come back around. Now, the, the things that you can't ever have on screen, for instance, you can never have on screen one of the, what's one of the ones now? Oh, like, you can never have a conflict between a man and a woman where the man comes out on top. They either have to draw or the woman has to come out on top. Yeah. Be it an intellectual conflict or a physical confrontation. Um, yeah, it's a lot more uh, social norms more than physical objects that you have to abide by, I think, more in this day and age. Yeah. Like, you have to have a diverse crew, you have to have different sexual orientations, you have to have someone who's maybe... I don't know the correct word, way of saying this, I apologize if I offend someone. You have to have a disabled person? I don't quite know. Often. Yeah, disabled. I don't know. I, I can't keep up with all the words that you have to keep track of not to offend people, so I just don't bother anymore. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the other thing, too. It's much... It's very surface level. And you also end up with, like, a lot of big movies. You don't get a lot of, like, deep ideas. There isn't a lot of... Um, I don't substance to the plot. Like, the, if you boil down what's actually happening, it's usually a very simplistic storyline, but there's a lot of action and, you know, fla flashy, shiny stuff going on to keep you occupied. A lot of... I'm trying to think of an, a good modern example of this. Because I'm just thinking of, like, a lot of the Marvel movies. I was thinking Transformers. The new ones? Yeah. 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 There's very little story to it, but they do a lot of cool robot scenes, which is what people go to see anyway. Yeah. Transformers. They smash stuff up and blow it up. I, like... Yeah. I did... But it's never going to be the same as the original for us. Yeah. Yeah. Because that had a decent I, I, story. <laughs> so I just... I, I was... And I was thinking like using this as a premise this is like with movies and modern stuff how it's just changed over the course of like 40 years where we've gone yeah. from like the 70s to the 80s to the 90s to the 20s to the 2010s whatever however many years that is um but i was realizing then thinking about history like almost every culture has done that i mean you we just saw an example of how china's doing this right now they'll they either force companies to edit games or they just outright ban them um then the um, uh, the Nazis did this with talking about their own history, like building up this this myth of the heroic you know German peoples that they they talked up all of these different um, historical figures and events. They reimagined yeah. people from you know ancient times, and it's never people who are vested in the. In, in the thing that they're banning. So, whoever's banning all the shit in China, in the government, they obviously do not play games. Whoever's, you know, editing this history, they're obviously not a historian. Like, a historian would not do that. <laughs> yeah, at least not a very good one. I mean... I, I, I've, I can never imagine a, a historian changing the past to suit the current needs... Because the whole thing about history is that it is what it is, and you're smarter for knowing it. <laughs> you do... 
ideally, yeah. Um, but you do get people who will selectively describe bits of history. That's why it's, you know, when you're... Especially when you're looking back at, like... I guess... I wouldn't call them historians, though. <laughs> there's an interesting uh, phenomenon when you go back to ancient historians, um, hmm. specifically ones in the, the Greek and Roman um, period. Are you going to say what they have to postulate? No, no, no. They actually thought it was the duty of a historian to editorialize, to tell history in a, a in a way a to make it more of a story. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think um, this shows up a lot in Herodotus, uh, which is kind of one of the first historians that we have on record. Uh, he wrote most of the Greek, most of what we know about Greek history comes from him. Yeah. Um, and he bent the truth. Well, he's not the historian looking back at the text, though. He's the person writing it. And whoever writes it can write whatever the fuck they want. It's the job of a historian to work out what's true and what's not. Yeah, that's that's. But that's a very modern perspective. Like even in the medieval ages, they you know people didn't think that way. They actually, um, the the, the historian was a person who was who's telling a narrative, who was, you know telling events and tying them together and making them make sense, not somebody who's just writing down raw facts. That's a very modern concept. I'd consider that more of a scribe. I mean, or, I, know. I, I know what you mean, and I agree with you, but I'm just, that's how, like, the yeah, perspective of what a historian did and thought has changed over the years. Yeah, it's like the, um, biotapestry? What's it? The Battle of Hay State, uh, God... I'm gonna get told off by for this, the uh, the massive long tapestry that like can go several times oh, around yeah, the yeah. average room. Yep, I know uh, what we're talking about. Yep, and it's essentially the medieval equivalent of anime, um, <laughs> or a manga. Sorry, and it's just like picture after picture after picture in a single long strip, and uh, it has the the classically the the king getting shot in the eye, or who they think the king. Is being shot in the eye. Mm -hmm. Was it the eye or the neck? I'm pretty sure it was the eye. I don't remember. I haven't looked at it in a long time. No, right, since GCSE history, so. Um, but yeah, it's like. We don't know that any of that's real. That could be dramatized because it's a very nice picture that goes all the way along a, a corridor or whatever, but. Um, that's what we've got to look at, so yeah. let's believe it. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, I mean, I think I've kind of exhausted that but th this is always the issue and this is why you you get it's so easy for people to take a piece of history and make it match what their idea of the world is so mm. you see that with a lot of um dramas set in historical eras um yeah. in and they they're they talk and act in a very very modern way um and if you actually, like, read anything from the time or look back at the way people talk and acted in these periods, it's so weird. Like, but history is so complicated and so nuanced yeah. that you can, it's easy for a politician or somebody who is creating a piece of media, an author, a screenwriter, whatever, to just, even with video games too, just to, to manipulate it yeah. to make... It just fit their creative vision. 
you've just got to look at any of the videos from, was it, The Insider? It, what, the, there's a big trend on the moment where they get a professional to review movies with yeah. their crafting. And, like, you never see anything that's ever accurate to what it's actually like yeah. in any of them. I did uh, see one uh, the other day. It was uh, a guy who was an expert in casino cheating. Or, oh, like, yeah. cheating in, in casinos. Yeah, yeah. And he actually, you know, consulted as, like, a security expert for casinos. Mm. And he watched a bunch of movies that depict people cheating Ocean's in games. Ocean's Eleven and stuff. Wait, yeah, Ocean's and, Eleven? Yeah. yeah, Ocean's Eleven is an example. Ocean's Thirteen in particular had that one. Uh, had, like, the mm. big cheating scene at the end. Um, and that one, he was like, yeah, this is, this is all bullshit. But then he watched some other movies, like 21, where they're doing, like, the teams of card counting and stuff like that. Yeah, card and he counting, was like, absolutely. He's like, that one is... Well, not, he said it was kind of simplified, but it's yeah. extremely accurate. So They're talking about card counting, which is a thing, but they just slightly changed how they would have actually done it. Well, they, they simplify it. So they, they did it exactly like a real card counter would have done it, like a real card mm. counting team would have done it, but it's... It's simplified so the audience can understand it. Um, yep. But yeah, usually when you watch those videos, I know the videos you're talking about, usually when you watch them, it'll be like, they'll, they'll look at like 10 examples, and of those 10, maybe like one to two of them are accurate, and the other eight are like, that's bullshit. Yeah, like, uh, there's a lot of firearms ones, and uh, I think I've sent you quite a few videos of mm. the, the British Firearms Museum guy recently. Who looks at video games and looks at like the the way that guns reload, just the the f physical shape of the gun, the way that the bolts get ejected, and and God, you don't notice these things when you're playing a game. It just looks like a gun to you. But he's yeah. like, nope, the ejection port is on the wrong side. This is a <laughs> left-handed gun that has been mirrored to be on the right. That kind of stuff, like CS:GO guns, they are all left-handed guns that have been mirrored. Mm. And I was like. Who the fuck would know that? <laughs> because apparently the original guy that made CSGO was left-handed. Mm. And then just to make it look natural for everyone, they flipped it. Um, it's just weird little facts like that. It's, I'm glad that there is an expert out there that recognizes this sh shit. Mm. And uh, is not letting those AAA games get away with it quite as much. But yeah, we, yeah. Uh, fuck, I could see it either way. But I, I like that, that you, when you get like somebody who's like an expert in the field and breaking down pieces of media, because a lot mm. of times you do get stuff that's simplified for audience. And actually, before we uh, conclude, because we are way yeah. over on this segment, there's one last thing I, I wanted to say, and I can't remember um, what the actual name for this is, but it's the phenomenon where, <clears throat> say you're, you're reading a newspaper or reading like, you know, some sort of an article or something, and you're an expert in something. Hmm. Right. So say like, you know, I work in, in, in pharmaceuticals. So if I was reading something about like some um, something that Starcraft is, 2. Oh, yeah. OK. Starcraft 2, whatever. But it's something you're an expert in. You're reading about it. Yeah. And it's clear that the author doesn't understand it. And it's clear that they've they're fudging the details or whatever to make yep. their point. You read that and you're like, oh, that's bullshit because you you understand that field. But then you read something else by the same author or from the same paper or whatever and it's about something that you don't that you aren't an expert in you read through it and you're like oh that's interesting hmm. not just forgetting a moment before you had just read something in the same piece of media we're like that's bullshit but just because you're not an expert in the new thing you suddenly forget that this piece of media you're consuming 
has already made NASA of itself once. So it's there's a chance that this next thing that you've looked at is also it's probably going to be bullshit as well. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. So it's always like it's a good thing to keep in mind whenever you're you know hmm. watching something, reading something, listening to something. Like just you know, always take. I I, I try to take pretty much everything with a grain of salt these days. Yeah, especially in news, honestly. Because oh, <laughs> news journalists, they are news journalists. That is all. They, well, they are yeah. not experts in anything else. They are news journalists. Well, half the time, especially the the big places, they just either look on Twitter or they look at what the Associated Press is writing about and then take that and put their own spin on it. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think people do actual journalism anymore. No. Or at I least, mean, yeah. hell, we are technically being journalistic right now. And by the modern standard, yeah. But we, 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 I guess, the closest things we're experts to are games. And we in no way say that we're, we know everything about games, because we oh, know God, shit no. about it. God, um, no. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. Segment two. Yeah, gotta get on to talking about that movie. I'm looking forward to this mm. one. Alright, this is going to be the end of segment one of the TMCJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you will hear us again momentarily for segment two. Yes. Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. We're on segment two, our media segment. I can't. Oh my god! All right, so this this week we had a movie night, and I I love these kind of of movies. Um, that kind of they they're out now for actually probably for a lot of the the reasons I talked about earlier with the whole tropes thing. But we watched um, yep. the man who would be king. Yeah, it wouldn't be acceptable in this day and age. Oh, no. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Too many tangerines. Honestly, some of the quotes that come from both of them are just so good. Yeah. I mean, the movie. <laughs> it's so... The, the quick synopsis. Um, the movie's set in, like, kind of the... I guess the, the height of the colonial era, right? Where mm. you've got British India... Um, and I think that's that's where most of it takes place, actually. Or they're in like Burma or or India that's or something. That's where they fought, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, they they fought there, and then they these two these two ex-British soldiers get it in their head that they're gonna go off to this land past Afghanistan, somewhere in Central Asia, and they're going to take over a kingdom, or they'll ingratiate themselves to the local rulers by. Showing that they can, um, using their superior tactics and stuff and technology and drilling the soldiers and use them to sort of conquer the local region and become kings in their own right. And then they'll, they'll rule and live a life of luxury as the, uh, the kings and overlords of these places. Uh, and suffice to say, it goes somewhat to plan, but somewhat not. Um, doesn't exactly end well for them. Which you, they kind of let you know at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and generally I hate it when films do that, but there were so many unanswered questions that I think it kind of, I don't know. Yeah, because you, you, you're given a starting point and an end point. Yeah. Like, the, the starting point, like, they, it happens in you're, the kind of the end of the timeline where this basic bookkeeper guy is in his office, you know, writing some stuff up. and The uh, author of the book, the, the book, it's, it's a bit meta. 
Oh, is it's, it actually um, the? I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, yeah. The person who wrote the original story is the character in the book. Got it. But yeah, so he um, he's approached by a man in like uh, kind of Arab garb, and uh, he he looks up and he's got a, a badly scarred face, and he realizes he recognizes this guy. It's it's the it's a British dude. And at this point, you don't know who that is. Hmm. Then cue the flashback to the beginning of the movie. Um, of how he met this guy and his co-conspirator, and then it goes on from there. Yeah, and they're all part of the Freemasons. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, do you know much about the Freemasons? I, I know I kind of explained it quite well in the film, to be honest. Yeah, it's 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 a guild, basically, or it's a relic of, of a guild. Yeah, and there's, like, secret hand... Like, this is a real thing that happened, and yeah. they have their own secret handshakes and things. There are chapters to, in the U.S. To... You can you can join them. Um, yeah. Like, I, I know somebody... Um, I knew somebody in college that... I don't think he was a member, but he had, like, either family members that were, or he knew people that were. But it's it's pretty simple. Like, you, you have to go through, like, a, some kind of a introduction you have to be sponsored by somebody who's already a member you have to take some kind of an oath um and basically just not allowed to talk about any of the stuff that they they do or talk about yeah. at their their and and from i mean but the thing is you can find it online like most people the, the information of what what goes on like at these things it's basically these just days, like yeah. it's basically just like a like a club where yeah. Sort of like networking and stuff like it's very similar to a lot of professional organizations, mm. from what I've so, heard. It, it's essentially also a kind of the origins of the Illuminati kind of thing. Yeah, it the especially with the whole eye motif. Yeah, they do have very similar, similar things. Mm. Illuminati anyway. is one that I, I don't know much about, but that again also a real organization. But they've been yeah. tied up in all these conspiracy theories, like they're going to take over the world. Did that in Alex Jones's voice. Well, um, if you're talking about Illuminati, you got to do it in Alex Jones's voice. Yeah, like, Illuminati. Anyway, um, so yeah, so they're Freemasons and and stuff like that. But they, I think, are all three of them the author and the two men? Uh, no, the 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 author is just the um, just he's the just a witness. But no, no, but I didn't know if he was a, a Mason as well. Um, oh, in the film he is. I don't know if he is in. In real in real life, but yeah. So, but I in the film, they're all. Is. Yeah, but again, be that that was kind of established because I think if they're all Freemasons, it, because they're all part of this professional organization, they know they can all trust each other. Hmm. Um. But just yeah. because he hands back the watch that he already stole from the guy, he, was, he looks at, he's like, ah, oh, fuck, it's a Freemason. I got to give it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. God, and he then he. I love how he the way he does that is he throws the oh, God. the dude that again. Speaking of tropes that could never happen, like a local gets onto yeah. the the train uh, with them and with a he, melon, a huge watermelon that he's just eating on the on the train and spitting the seeds on the floor and yeah. And to be fair, the guy is pretty annoying too. He just never shuts up, and so the the one guy the I can't remember is. It, that wasn't Sean Connery, was it? That was um, no. Alfred. What the fuck is his name? Uh, oh god, you're drawing me a blank now. Yeah. 
We he's, quote him all the time. I know. He's the guy who played um, Alfred, the, the butler, in the uh, Dark Knight movies. Sec. Yeah. The, the one who talks about the tangerine. That guy's... I've, I've never seen him in a lot of his older roles, but I've seen him in so many roles now. Like Michael Caine. Michael Caine, yeah. Absolutely love... First of all, the two main actors in this is Sean Connery and Michael Caine. Fucking phenomenal actors great a actors and they yeah. they do such a good job in this movie and this is in their fucking early years yeah yeah um and fucking sean connery rocking that like explorer's handlebar mustache yeah the one that connects to the sideburns um anyway sorry yeah. I'm, I'm getting way off track here yeah <laughs> but they they meet up with this guy and they reveal what their plan is they want to go off here and become kings of some unknown place and um they have him witness them signing a contract so he's their legal witness when they they sign this thing and the contract yeah so they say sorry no go on you you describe it you describe it i've been talking for a while the uh contract was essentially between the two of them that until they had both become kings they would not drink alcohol they would not sleep with anyone and they was the last it was like they wouldn't stab each other in the back or something basically Yeah, they, 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 they vowed not to betray each other, they vowed, um, you know, to be celibate, and they vowed, you know, to be teetotal until they have achieved their goal, which yeah. I thought that was that was a really a laudable point, because I think because and, of a lot of modern movies, I kept expecting them to stab each other in the back. Well, that's the thing, they even, at the beginning, while that... Well, Sean Connery is reading out the list of things, hmm. and he reads out the last one, and it's like, we'll never abandon each other. And then the act, the the, 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 the person goes, oh, we didn't need that last one, but we thought we'd put it in anyway, because it sounded nice. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, Good that's Sean not foreboding. <laughs> Thank Good you. Sean Connery voice. Yeah, but that's, and especially because in the beginning of the movie, only Michael Caine comes back. And so you already know something hmm. happened to Sean Connery whether he's yeah. still there and he betrayed Michael Caine or whatever, you know that only Michael Caine made it back um, to where they are now. Mm. So, but I kept expecting that to happen. And um, spoiler alert, it really never does. They don't actually betray each other throughout the movie. They there's a there's a moment of like very uh, like tension between them near the end of the movie. But even in those moments. They're still comrades. They still actually are. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't want to imprison him or kill him. He just. You can go away now. That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, we're kind or of. Ju- you can. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Kind of jumping ahead, but so that happens, and then they set off on their journey. You know, they mm. they get their supplies and they go off journeying across. You know, they're heading uh, westward across uh, what today would be Pakistan through mm. Afghanistan, north into these these regions where they will go and, you know, become kings. Yeah, and to, to avoid being attacked, they, the, Sean Connery uh, pretends to be like a, a wizened, crazy wizard. Oh, yeah, and I remember that. Michael Caine is like his servant surf that translates. Yep, yep. They have all kinds of wacky adventures as, uh, along their way. Um... I do, I, I fucking, Sean Connery on the top of a sand dune, dancing around and waving and speaking in gibberish. Mm. Oh, that was, that was pretty uh, funny. 
then they cross like some Arctic mountains where Sean Connery's character goes snow blind. Yep. And uh, the only way that they can, well, he he gets through by holding the tail of a donkey, which they stole from some muggers that came for them. Yeah, uh, that was quite a fun scene. More weird and wacky adventures. Yep. Yep. But Until then... eventually they. No, no, go on. Until eventually they come out of the Arctic area, and they come across this stream where there are some women washing clothes, and the women get attacked by some masked bandits. Hmm. And then they, well, they intervene, and they, uh, they, they take out the masked bandits, and they save the women, right? And um, yeah, most of them. <laughs> most well, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're not. But that that's something that is established throughout the movie is they're not good at this really they really are yeah. just two normal rank and file kind of soldiers who have just decided to do this well they they certainly from michael kane you see a level of leadership yeah i think that but they they weren't like you know really high ranking soldiers i think they may have been like you know sergeants or like the head They're of like definitely a platoon or something get in the fray kind of troops yeah um but and also i did notice they didn't actually fire until the bandits were like, they were actually fucking attacking people, and that's when they started firing. I thought that was nice. They didn't just yeah. see them, see masks, and go, fire! Yeah, yeah, they didn't... They they actually had a... That's the other thing. Despite some of the, the more questionable things they do, both of them seem to be fairly good and honorable people. Like, they, yeah. they, they had a very self-centered goal, but in achieving it, they don't do anything outright... They did it by the books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, it's kind of, I think the things that they did do bad are diminished by the fact that a lot of the locals have more barbaric traditions. Yeah, the, the locals did bad things as well, and that was when they decided to be harsh in return. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the, um, the scene between the, the, the leader of that first city they came across uh, and his, his many uh, daughters and sons? Oh, are you talking about... So, I think... Doesn't he... he First of all, he offers his daughters up, right? Yeah, to, to Michael Caine and Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah, as, as a reward or something, and they, yeah. they turn him down, and then he says something like, oh, maybe you'd, you'd prefer some of my sons or, or whatever. Yeah. And, and um, Michael Caine goes fucking off the handle. <laughs> yeah, because he's like, he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, yeah, because it's not acceptable in these terms. No. Kind of thing. Well, it's more the fact... And we, we talked about this in the movie. There is... And this is, this is a controversial thing to say, but it's true. Um, mm. There is, especially with um, like tribes in that area, there is a history of, let's just say, grown men using young boys in a not good way. Um, and young women. And young women, but it, it actually, but it, it significantly more so than it was common in you know parts of asia africa and the west in those central yeah. asian regions um it was more common for it to be done to young young boys and it's it's fucked up but they did a they didn't i think an honest portrayal of it in the movie hmm. um, they didn't linger on the point too much and they didn't it. linger on it it was it was like one point and then michael kane gets pissed off about it and then they move on Although they did make a comparison to uh, homosexuality being as bad as cutting a man's head off and using it as a polo ball. <laughs> they, they so, I mean, there's that. 
Yeah. I, I mean, it, it was a product of its time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, cool. But I think it was it was less the, the fact that it was uh, homosexuality and more the fact that it was, like... Giving away his sons and daughters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giving, giving away family like that. And then also, they, they were quite young, the, the boys he was talking about. That's, that's, I think, what... My interpretation of it was that was more so what pissed him off than the fact that it was gay. Yeah. Like, the, the leader, as you continue to find out throughout the story, is a douche. Oh, God, yeah. Guy was a fucking yeah. jackass. And then, so, this this leader, they've decided, he's like, their tribe is um, really on, like, the ass end of everything. Like, they're constantly getting raided. Their, their you know, daughters are being kidnapped and, you know, There's sons are sold into slavery and whatnot. The ongoing joke that there's always a tribe above them pissing in their streams. Yeah. And every oh, yeah, tribe they come from. <laughs> yeah, when they're, they're talking about what happens and he's like, it's like, oh, they do this and they're upriver and they, they piss into the streams. So like, um, yeah. Uh, but when they're talking to those people who are pissing in the stream later, they're like, oh, there's these other people. That they're go, pissing in yeah. the stream up from us. So this is this is what where it starts. Is They're like, okay, this is the perfect thing. So we'll, we'll drill these people and get them ready for, for battle yep. and then we'll take it to the next tribe. And they do. They take it to the next tribe. Ten to one on people. Yep, and they they win. And when they're talking to those tribesmen, that, first of all, the leader is getting ready to behead all the people, all the men it's of the, the tribe leaders, that yeah. they just took over. Which again, if you go back in tribal warfare, that's a lot of the times what would happen. It was very, you would basically, and this this happened pretty much everywhere tribal societies existed. Um, so which is pretty much everywhere on Earth. When you defeated your enemy, you did one of two things. You uh, either killed all of the men, or you enslaved them. And this happened everywhere on Earth. Um, in fact, it was it was very, very weird when you ended up with societies like the Romans, or like the Persians, who didn't do that. What they did was they were like, okay, you're part of us now. Or you're yep. a slave. And it, so... The whole, like, genocide, the rival tribe thing was a lot rarer. The Persians were really famous for this. The, the, one of the w ways they got such a huge empire um, back in ancient Greek times was they was they would basically, like, we took you over, you pay us taxes, and you call him God. All right, fuck off, you can do whatever you want. That was that was their, yep. that was was it. And half the time, I you mean, didn't even have to pay that much tax. And in Japan, you get, like, rather than cutting that, the cutting the heads off became a, a thing of honor. It did. Like the seppuku became like yep. it's uh, completely yeah. different, but also the same. <laughs> yeah, you you end up with this this yeah this highly ritualized way to. It was it was ironic because I I never really thought about it that way, but yeah, when you're going back to feudal or ancient Japan, you're you end up the eliminate the tribe the other the, the rival tribe that's defeated eliminates itself because it's honorable to do so rather than having them do it to you. It's very foreign to like kind of the modern mindset, but it's always fascinating looking back at this stuff. What you look like you have something to say? I was gonna say the modern day seppuku has just been putting GG at the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's the honourable thing to do, guys. Oh my god, we've gotten so, so far off topic. Like fuck you. 
I've gotten so far off topic. Anyway, so they do beat this other tribe. They stop yep. the the leader from beheading everyone, and then he talks to this other tribe. Now that they've they've conquered and kind of integrated into their kingdom, and the other tribe, they this is where they make the same joke. They're like, "Oh, we we only raided you because there's this other tribe up the river, and they they're always pissing pissing downstream on us and stuff mm. like that." And so you're realizing there's like a pecking order where they started with the bottom one, they conquered the one above them, and then there's somebody above them. Uh, go yeah. on. What do you have to say? I was gonna say we fought the blind priests. Oh right, because it was yeah during the battle, like they all yeah. stop and like, like uh, Both go sides. down. Both sides because these blind priests go by like chanting and uh, did they have a bell or something? Yes, the kid in front has a bell. I assume so that the people behind him know no. where they're going. Yeah, uh, and they hold on to each other because these priests aren't allowed to open their eyes because they're not allowed because they don't want to see the badness that is happening in the world. Hmm. So while they're out of their city, they just follow this kid. I don't see why the kid has to look at all the badness, but whatever. Um, yeah, and so there's like th this line of priests just walk between the two lines of the armies, and everyone just sits down, well, lies down with their face in the dirt. Yeah. Because um, they don't want to be have God against them. Yeah, essentially, and I, I think like Sean Connery and Michael Caine are like wicked confused. Like, wh why did everyone just stop? Yeah. Um. But yeah, so they, they go on and they pursue this line of conquest. Um, and I think during... This is where the, the movie kind of takes a twist. Because during one of the battles, Sean Connery gets shot in the chest with an arrow. It was that battle. Yeah, it was that it was that battle. He gets shot with an arrow. Um, but it, it just like it just basically like lodges in his shirt or something like that. Or, yeah, he had a bandolier on it just went to the leather of it. Yeah, and so it didn't actually pierce him and... But everyone is like, oh my god, he's like, you know, he was shot in the heart with an arrow and he's, he's perfectly fine, he lives. Yeah, no bleeding. Yeah, he's immortal, or they, that was what they thought. They thought he was like some kind of a, like a god king. Yeah. Um, and so, this Instant now... surrender. Yeah, yeah, so. this starts to progress things even further now, because now, Sean Connery is... is their god king and he's kind of supplanted the other tribal leaders who they started out working for and with so in a sense their plan is working mm. but here's where the unbalance starts to happen michael kane is just sort of a, a great general whereas in in the eyes of these these tribesmen but sean connery now he's he's a god king you know he's he's the immortal and so he he like holds an arrow with him as he's like passing judgment on like mm. certain issues, people bring issues before him, and he he does that. Um, and Michael, and I think they they're at this point they're given a bunch of wealth, right? Yes. So every town they raid, they they say to the men, um, "Split your wealth in half, and we will decide which side of it we want." Mm. And we get to keep as wolf spoilers. Yeah, and I think it's pretty fair. It is, yeah. C considering, like, in a lot of these situations, what would happen is they would just take everything and mm. kill you. Yeah. So, by by that standard, this was remarkably egalitarian of them. They were British gentlemen. <laughs> they didn't want the little kiddies to go hungry. Oh, my God. And then I think once he becomes a god king, do don't the priests also give them stuff, too? So no, the priests, the, while the people are giving him things, also mm. there's the, the woman at that same point, and he's like, she's hot, but she's like, 
if this man touches me, I'm going to burst into flames and die. Yeah, because um, she's afraid that, yeah. She's afraid that he's an actual god. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the priests just walk up, and everyone bows down and lies on the floor like normal, and the yeah. priests are like, you got to come with us. Mm-hmm. We don't give a shit what's happening, you come with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Sean Connery's like, nah, fuck you, I'm a god king now. I have to go anywhere. But Michael Caine is like, actually, hang on, dude. If you say fuck you to these people in front of all of our army that literally lies down the dirt in front of these people, you, if you say no to them, our own army is going to hang us. Yeah. So they have to go, just the two of them, with the priests. Yeah. And then I think this is when, because I remember they open up like a, a room, the priests do, and it's just like full of... That's not yet. That's not, that, when does this happen? I thought this has already happened. So they get to the city, the the religious city, the mecca of whatever the country's called. Yeah. Um, and they're led through the streets and up to this uh, church where they meet the high priest of of the religion, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Ah, to prove that you're a god, I want you to stand over there, and we're going to shoot a f- arrow point blank at you and see if you bleed." Uh, okay, yeah, I remember push, this. Yeah, pushes the archer out of the way at the last second, and it goes wild. Uh, Michael Caine pushes him out of the way because Sean Connery is just being stupid and doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, uh, and so all the priests like rush forward, grab the two of them, they rip open Sean Connery's shirt to make it more sexy, and <laughs> he's got uh, the necklace of the Freemasons on that the uh, oh, author yeah. gave them at the beginning of the story. Okay, yeah, I remember this now. Yep, yep. And uh, the high priest is like, oh shit, walks over to a stone tablet and it's got the same kind of engraving on it that only the high priest has seen since the time of Alexander the Great, who was the original person that came here and he actually happened to be a Freemason. Mm. So they think now that this is Alexander the Great's uh, son, essentially. Yeah, a descendant from him, yeah. Because Alexander, yeah. Yeah, Alexander the Great did have himself declared a god, essentially, in the Persian style. And so they don't go continue with the whole trying to shoot him thing. Instead, they're like, here's all of Alexander the Great stuff. And there's this room. Full. This is what I was thinking of. Full of, like, gems and rubies and yeah. gold and, you know, crowns and all this just and, general wealth, as far as they can see. <laughs> then, then Sean Connery picks up this ruby and he's like, this is a ruby, BT. And <laughs> uh, Michael Caine's just like, Picks up one that's like twice the size. He's like, "This one's bigger, mate." <laughs> <laughs> I love like that. they have such like a perfect reaction. Uh, think about it. If you like, this is like if you and I, you know, went back in time and tried to like conquer a civilization and were given all this wealth. That is exactly how I feel like we'd react. It's yeah. like, just, just like, hey, I found a bigger one. Well, wait, so hang on. Would you be Sean Connery or would you be Michael Caine? I think you'd be Sean Connery. I think I'd probably be Sean Connery. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yes, so um, he is loving his time as the God King of not just a um, group of mercenaries, essentially, now. He is now pretty much the ruler of the entire country. Yeah, he's become a regional god. Yeah. um, Because he is essentially the Messiah. Yeah. And... So he's being he he's doing his uh, thing of being like the law of the land. So people are coming before him with all their their troubles, mm. like 
This is what uh, I was thinking of earlier, where he's, he's yeah, holding the gone. golden arrow and he's like making decisions from a, his his seat. Do you remember the whole cow argument? Is, is this the one where they had to like cut the cow in half or something like that, or? Uh, sort of. So, uh, there's there's a, a place nearby, and the the rule is, if your wife sleeps with another man, that man owes you. Like two cows, I think. Oh it is. right, is this because the guy? Yeah, Sean Connery makes the judgment that he's like pimping out his wife just to get cows. Yeah, so this guy from the village is basically sending his wife out to all the other men in the village, and suddenly that one man owns all of the livestock in the entire village. Yeah, like so he, he he's monopolized through his wife's sexual proclivities, and um, he's like that's. That's fucked up, essentially. Yeah. No, he yeah, he, he he sees right through it and realizes the guy's pimping his wife out to get cows. And he makes yeah. some judgment that like the guy needs to give back like he needs to pay cows to like, all to the people. To each of the wives of, of the village. Yeah, um, yeah, for, for pimping his wife out to them. And he says something at the end, he's like she'll need to sleep with at least fifteen more men to pay it off again. Or something like that. Yeah. It's like <laughs> It's to break even, that was it. Yeah, yeah to break even. Uh, such a good... Such a good... Was, uh, like, some of his judgments were hilarious. Um, yeah. Because, again, you, you very clearly see, like... He, he saw through, like, what the... Um, you know, what the deception was, but at the same time... <laughs> his decisions, his rulings were just absolutely hilarious. Because you could tell, this isn't, this isn't a, like a lawyer. This isn't somebody who yeah. is a deep philosopher. He's just a guy who is... Just a random dude. He 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 turned to, so he turned to Michael Caine to get like because Sean Connery's not a maths person in this. No, he's like so that means each wife gets uh how much is it? Oh, that's uh three and two quarters cows each to each of the ladies. I was like, right, make it so. <laughs> so I guess they just cut all the cows in half or something. Um, yeah. God. No, that that's that whole sequence was hilarious. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, this is this is where the the movie starts. This is where I thought there was going to be a big betrayal coming. Because mm. all this starts to go to Sean Connery's head. In this very scene, in fact. Yeah. And so Michael Caine is starting to get like annoyed and he's like they they have a, a kind of a heated discussion um in in private where it's like you know, Michael Caine's like, "Listen, you know, we can't keep doing this forever. I need to, like, at, at least give me, you know, we've, we've achieved what we wanted to achieve. Give me my half of everything and um, and take your half of everything and let's get out of here. Like, we're, you know, we, we could live like kings back in England, you know, with this, yeah. this kind of cash. Literally, the amount of money they had there, they could be kings of the whole fucking world. Yeah, they, they, they had, like, tons and tons of cash. And so they could have gone back and been, like, you know, probably could have bought themselves, I don't know, a lordship or something like that. I don't know how, how that, that stuff works. but These days you pro- you can, but I don't know about those days. Yeah, well, I, mean, I imagine you, you grease the right palms, get in the right circles, yeah, and maybe sure. get a knighthood. Anyway, so they go off, but but Sean Connery is just, he's too into this lifestyle, and he's like, no, no, no I intend to take myself a wife. And um, mm-hmm. this is just an excuse for us to do Sean Connery accents. It's a great accent, isn't it? It really is, yeah. Um, also, rest in peace, Sean Connery. He's, he, he died recently, didn't uh, he? I don't know. Hold on, I'm going to look this up, because I, I, I'd, I'd be really happy if I find out he's still alive, but 
I uh, think... I've literally got him on this page. Um, yeah, he died on 2020. Yeah. October. Tragedy. The world became a darker place on that day. Mm, I think Michael Caine's still kicking around, though. Yeah, he's he's still acting. Like, mm, I still 88 see him a... years old. Jesus. God. But yeah. Anyway, but... So, Sean Connery is, you know, he's intending to take a wife, and this is where things start to go off the rails. But he agreed, but, and again, you think there's going to be a betrayal here, but it doesn't happen. You know, after a heated debate, finally Sean Connery's like, alright, like, I want to stay here, I, I've, I believe this is, this is, you know, this is going to all go well for me, I'm going to take destiny. a wife. My destiny. This is my destiny, exactly, and Michael Caine, he, he can't talk sense into destiny. him. Yeah, it's like, this isn't, yeah. this isn't going to work. But yeah. eventually they agree to disagree, and Michael Caine, Sean Connery lets Michael Caine take some wealth, and yep. um, Half Sean the profit. He doesn't even check it, so he's like, he might as well have taken all of it. Yeah, he wouldn't have cared. Um, and then Sean Connery, Michael Caine gives up on trying to convince him to leave, and they, uh, they, they agree to go their separate ways. But then the priests, because he decided to take a wife, this was where I think it it tipped him off because a god can't sleep with mortal women. Mm. Or which is weird because the Greeks thought the exact opposite. <laughs> like, and look at Greek mythology. Zeus was banging everything under the sun. I mean, yeah, there's the whole thing that Alexander the Great had a wife with the same name. Did he actually? Yes, like the same name in in the story. Like oh, they were saying, it's like oh, she's yeah, even got yeah, the same right. name. Like perfect. You're right. Um, I can't remember the exact reason why he couldn't but the priests did not want oh it's because um after he'd announced that he wanted a wife there were like cursed signs like they they found a dead bird with green pus and michael came oh, like, yeah. oh that's just they split the spleen or something hmm. but obviously to them it's like <gasps> the gods yeah. are angry bird signs yeah hmm but I mean, signs in nature. Again, going back, like even even the Romans like put a heavy emphasis on, um, you know, signs from nature, bird signs and whatnot. Mm. I mean, Holy Roman Empire. Clue's kind of in the name, the holiness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you saw stuff like that. Yeah, even into uh, the medieval period. Um, the Holy Roman Empire. You're talking about like a thousand years there. The Holy Roman Empire um, took place pretty much from when Charlemagne reunited it all the way down until it was reunified into Germany. The Holy Roman Empire went into the 1800s. Anyway, doesn't matter. So, bad signs, <laughs> bad signs all around. Um, and I can't remember exactly how, how this, this scene goes, because it, it doesn't end well for Sean Connery. Spoiler alert. The, the, the woman appearing. Yeah, well, the um, in particular, how how does he get to the bridge? I'm trying to remember like how these events so, fit together. The bridge was uh, one of the tasks he gave Michael Caine mm -hmm. to to give him something to do in the two weeks before the pass opens up and Michael Caine could go home. Mm -hmm. uh, so they make this bridge across the chasm, and then coming the day of the wedding, um, she is she's arrived and she crosses the bridge um, and being treated like royalty mm -hmm. with like these. Uh, lady servants, yeah, all around her, and they basically like stay... a, you know bridesmaids. Yeah, they stay in like a, a small chamber for the night before the wedding. Yes, I remember it was that they they lead her to it, and I remember thinking, oh god, something bad's gonna happen because she looked like really morose and sad, like she looked miserable going into that thing. 
Yeah, well, they thought she was going to explode into fire when they touched. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They thought that, you know, that the divine power could not... I mean, to be fair, I, I feel like there's probably a lot of women that feel that way about Sean Connery. Probably a lot of men, too. What? That <laughs> they can't stand the... the... <laughs> Never mind. It's a bad joke. It's a bad joke. Go on. Anyway, so it's the next day. And um, Michael Caine has decided he'll stick around for the wedding. To, yeah. to send his, his friend off mm -hmm. uh, on Sean Connery's request. So, she's coming up the aisle, as it were. Mm -hmm. She looks stoned as fuck. Another one of the bridesmaids who were with her in the, like, the, the stone cell thing overnight, yeah. like, just collapsed on the floor. Some kind of, I'm assuming drugs were involved. Yeah, some a bit kind of wild hemp party. Knowing that region of the world, it was probably hemp. Um, yeah. Which... Marijuana for those that don't know. And so she was scared shitless. She could barely stand up. And she gets up onto the next to Sean Connery. And in her like delirium, she bites him, leading to the greatest phrase in the film where Sean Connery turns to Michael Caine and said, She bit me! The slut bit me! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but now he's all bled. All the priests can yeah. see, yes, that he is bleeding, and he is but a mortal man. The gods have cast him down, um, and so they must cast him down. Yep. And so they continue. do. Yep. So they 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 lead him out onto that bridge that Michael Caine had constructed, and yeah, they chase him out of the city. Yeah, yeah, and walk him out onto the middle of the thing, and then they slice the ropes that are holding it up, and he drops into the chasm. Um, as Michael Undoing King. his work and his life while um, yeah. all in one. And then what happens to Michael Caine is pretty fucked up. You want to go? Yeah, sure. So we don't actually see this part happening. Uh, uh, once the, the body falls into the, the pit, cuts to black. And hmm. we go back to um, Michael Caine in the present. Talking, talking to the to, witness, yeah. Yeah, talking to the, the newspaper journalist. And he's like, oh, so... Basically, Michael Caine was then taken by the priests, crucified, and after a day where he was still alive, they let him go as they saw it as a kind of miracle mm -hmm. that he was still alive. Yeah. Uh, so after being crucified, he then went and got his old friend Sean Connery's head from the bottom of the cliff and then made the journey back to... The, the civilized land. Yeah, yeah, back to the British Raj. Yeah, on his own. And, yeah. uh, yeah. That's the whole story. It's 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 kind of a grim ending, like, with only one it of them is. living, but the movie itself but going through... ending. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> what final words? The slut bit me! <laughs> <laughs> like up to this point he loves this woman yeah. and he's like giving up almost his godhood for it the slut bit me yeah I mean th this is a movie that's it's uh. very much it very much captures the um, the kind of uh, giddy up and go um, optimism that kind of encompassed and really epitomized European civilization before the first world war because mm. there's, there's a lot of um people who have kind of 
you know, looked back at the, the ni- 1900s in general and found that it was kind of... A, it was a century that deeply traumatized Europe as a society. Like, European societies in general. All of them. Like, mm. the French, British, you know, German... All of them were kind of like really traumatized by everything that happened during that century. And so this was this this movie kind of captures the attitude that they had before that, the age of exploration where they're they're going out and finding all these exotic lands and you know, they, this clash of cultures where they're um mm. Mm, sorry. Kind of to do with it and also kind of not to do with it. What does Cassus Belli mean? Cassus that's a, it's it's Latin. Um, I don't know. I, I've heard that before too. And the reason is I've been playing Civilization. Mm-hmm. Uh, an act or situation that provokes or justifies a war. Okay, because there's like twenty ways that you can go to war in Civilization, hmm. and it never applies to me. None of them. <laughs> <laughs> so I always have to just straight up declare. So it's all like you know. Religious war is my reason to go into war, or yeah, protectorate war. The Romans were were just always a huge fan of uh, defensive wars. Everything had to be um, couched in the idea of defense. Julius Caesar, famously, you know, when he was conquering Gaul, had to invent a bunch of reasons and propaganda why he was taking over mm. Gaul. And one of the reasons the Roman Senate wanted to bring him up on charges was. They thought it was an illegal war. It wasn't a defensive war, which was the only kind the Romans preferred to pursue. Yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, no, it's just a bit. It has. It. It's a movie about like two, nineteenth-century explorers or soldiers who just. It's it's basically like a buddy comedy in a lot of ways. Like, um, yeah. you get these these two guys that just. They have a wild and wacky dream, and they go out and try to do it. And they have antics and adventures along the way, and it doesn't end too well for them. But it's it's quite like the uh, uh, I'll say only fools and horses, but that's not the one I mean. Hmm. Um, Del Boy kind of. <laughs> the, actually, do you have that over there? Do you know what Del Boy is? Nope. Okay, right. Very very famous British television program from before my time. Uh, where it's kind of a guy that, you know, he's always, every week he's got a new way of making making it big. <laughs> and this is what, this, this feels like an episode where, uh, of because they, they tried, the, like, thievery, they've obviously tried gun smuggling comes up. Yeah. They've tried all these different things, and like, this is the one. This They're, is the one, Pinky. Yeah. We're going to be taking over the world today. <laughs> Try to take over the world. Yeah, there is... Yeah. There's very much that, and it, it does have kind of a, a, a bad ending. Um, inter- bad ending in terms of bad for the characters. Yeah, they don't end up well from it. But, but that's um, what happens when you go all chips in. Yeah, but the, the journey along the way, and it's it, the, the lesson there is they should have listened to Michael Caine and walked away when they had the chance, because if they'd, if they'd stolen away in the night with all that, that gold, they could be living mm. like kings in England, or anywhere else in the Empire at that point. Um, yeah. But they, they, they stayed in just a little too long. and Or if he just hadn't wanted to get a wife. It's true. Yeah. Because well, no one else is going to fucking bite him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's true, yeah. He could have just uh, pulled a Zeus and had some concubines. But he was... That was a real fucking ticking time bomb, though. Because the moment one of them got sick... Oh, yeah. 
he again, fucked. Michael Caine had the right of it. Sean Connery yeah. let it go to his head, but um, yeah, great movie, and it was it was fun just watching the journey. And again, it doesn't kind of pander to a lot of modern sensibilities, but I almost think it's better for it. It's just it's refreshing. It, yeah, there's a remarkable degree of honesty to it, mm. um, which I feel like a lot of tropes nowadays are about subversion and deception that. and you can't do that you can't be that <laughs> yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of can't and a lot of don't in modern media yeah. and this was a lot of can and a lot of just wild adventure <laughs> yeah, just like fuck it let's do it and i love that it was it was a great it was. movie um yep. and i think i i think i actually bought that movie right after we watched it um because that's enough. something that i want in my collection it was just it was just fun to watch yeah if only to watch sean connor act like a god, god. honestly oh my god the greatest um all right so i think I mean, that... hang on so what mm-hmm. time what day is it now it's the 11th okay so we've got your one not coming up this week but next week i actually told alicia what you planned on doing hmm. um but i guess we'll keep it quiet for everyone else or have you yeah. already told them i can't remember no i don't think so we did okay. i mean we we I think we've talked about the concept before, but not specifically the movie. Anyway, all right, we got. Uh, we still we're we're way over on both segments. But we still got a lot to talk about because segment three, we're trying out a brand new uh, little little game uh, that we're going to be doing. So stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, this is going to be the end of segment two of the Team CJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you'll hear us again momentarily for segment three. Welcome back to the TMCJ Podcast. We're on segment three, our wildcard segment, and we've got a brand new segment here. Blue had an idea um, to do some sort of a, a kind of a, a debate sort of format mm. between the two of us. But the twist being, because a lot of things we do agree on, we do have differing beliefs, which is half the fun of the podcast, because we're going to come to different conclusions a lot of the time. Um, but... It's kind of with yeah. a, like a devil's advocate kind of twist. Like we, so you were going to say something. I was going to say like uh, around the time when we first met. Um, in fact, it might have been a year or two afterwards, actually, uh, or several years. <laughs> when there was the elections going on, I remember we used to have debates like every night, and they could get pretty heated. Mm. Um, but over time, we've kind of just come to learn each other's opinions and. It's become a lot less debatey, which we're kind of trying to rekindle some competitive. Yeah, I mean wording <laughs> conversation. A little, a little bit of a clashing of the wits, but but that's yeah. and I I think that's some that's a format I do really enjoy listening to, like on other podcasts and things. Mm. I like to hear two people, especially when it's two people who aren't just shouting at each other, because I feel like a lot of discussion and debate now ends up just being people throwing just ad hominem attacks at each other. Sorry. Well, that's the thing. That did used to happen, but that those days, we both had like a bottle next to us that we would just <laughs> go through during the argument, and it would well, get... That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> Eventually... We're not doing that. <laughs> no. No. What? Well, yeah. I, de- I mean, I do, I do have a drink here, but it, it's green tea. Yeah, it looks like whiskey, but it's green tea. Yeah, I'm drinking iced green tea out of a whiskey tumbler. It does look exactly like whiskey. Mm. Um, 
anyway, but so the basic format of this, we've jotted down a few ideas, and we're each going to pick uh, a side um, on these binary ideas. Now, not all of these either of us hold a binary opinion on, but we're going to try to make an argument for the other side, even if we don't agree. If we don't agree with the side we're arguing for, we're going to make our our current, our actual beliefs clear ahead of time. Um, and then, you know, we'll make like a quick argument, the other person will make a quick counter-argument, and then we'll kind of discuss each other's points for a brief time after that and then move on. Yeah. Um, th this is all still theoretical. We've never, we haven't tried this yet, so I feel like this will be, you know, a fun way to experiment with it. Uh, but without further ado, do you want to bring us in for the first topic? Because this is one that uh, you had presented. Yes, well, thank you to my gorgeous girlfriend. That was her idea. Um, the first topic we're going to discuss is um, when does kind of rioting, or, well, that's the extreme, hmm. or, like, complaining about something online, when does that go too far? When is the, your message no longer coming across in a peaceful way in some times? Or whether, like, pe people are going to stop tuning into it because you're taking on... Um, too much action, too much extreme action. When have you become the villain? Uh, so where is the line that you draw where you're getting a message across, but you are not becoming a public nuisance? Um, my opinion on this, my I IRL opinion, is that I think people certainly in the last year have gone far too far, especially, like, I can understand why people have been stuck in their homes, they've not been allowed to go out, but people have been taking things too far, and it's led to a lot more, I'm going to generalize it and say, a lot more pain in the world than has been necessary for a cause that, while it's an important cause, it's been going about the wrong way, and so I think it's detracted from the overall message. That being said, for the sake of this debate, I will be on the side of the people who think that those who believe that there is no um, line too far in the uh, justice of getting your message across. Yeah, so you're going for like the kind of the pro-revolutionary kind of standpoint. Yes, almost. so the revolutionist. That will yeah. be my title for this debate. <laughs> <laughs> and I think so. I'll be I'll be doing the the counter argument to that, which um, I don't. My my own personal opinions are somewhere in the middle on this one. Um, I don't really, I think protest and the ability to speak out and the ability to like kind of sh like uh, call attention to when there are societal ills that need to be addressed, a person's ability in a free society to be able to do that is very important, um, but it has to be within reason. You, like I, I, I don't, I think there's definitely a line and where you start to cause serious damage or harm to others that's where you've crossed the line um now how we define harm to others has obviously gotten a lot bigger these days but i'll be in either case i'll be arguing for the the hard line in the other direction that um you know this sort of protest and things like that it needs to be more harshly regulated which is something i, I don't necessarily agree with but here we go do you want to make the first case uh, sure. Okay, so I'm gonna start it off uh, a bit soft. People who like uh, make make their point online. They they go in chat forums. They go petitions. 
Um, I think, honestly, petitions, I think, don't do as much as people think they should. So you can have a petition online these days and get like 100,000 people to sign it. And then it gets sent to, in England, it gets, when you have enough uh, signatures on it, it has to be talked about in the House of Commons? It's the House of Commons, yeah, I actually know about this law. And, uh, but I don't think, like, at the end of the day, the, the people who are sitting in the House of Commons are nothing like the people sitting at their computers writing up this petition. I don't think it gets heard enough. Um, like, if you have a genuinely really good point, and you make a petition about it, a bunch of people just sign it because it seems like the right thing to do. Like, I, I've known people that just, they're told that this is a good thing, alright, I'll sign it, you can have my, my name on it. It's not enough. If you're going to do something, don't just sit there. Like, um, these people that do, do, like, walkouts, they go to a particular site and then they say, right, we're going to do a mass logout. Like the Blizzard thing. Mm. Like, oh, we're all going to log out at the same time. It's going to make a big impact. It doesn't make a fucking difference. You've still logged in. So people are not doing enough when they actually need something that's, like, significant, when they actually want to make a change. I ain't going to do shit. So people do need to make a bigger em- emphasis when they're making these points. Yeah, so I I get what you're saying with that. Um, this is kind of a, a frustration with modern, uh, kind of the, the way modern discussions are had. You end up with people just completely divorced from what a lot of normal people say, and then you've got things online like petitions like that that seem to get tons and tons and tons of signatures... Um, but it doesn't seem to actually go anywhere. Um, so there's a lot of frustration with that. So the counter counterpoint to this, th- the logical conclusion of what you're saying is that in order to get your point across, there has to be like more and more extreme action. The problem with going down that route is the amount of human misery it generates along the way. So, you know, you realize it's like, okay, this petition, it got heard by parliament in your case they talked about it for a while and then did jack shit so you know the the question is what do you do next so there's there's protests and things like that um i'll use a perfect example from the uk that happened recently the um uh extinction rebellion people they're like hardcore environmentalist people they're sitting in the middle of the road blocking highways and people died because of it there was an ambulance that got caught up in in one of the highways and a woman ended up paralyzed because she was having a stroke and they couldn't get her to the hospital because these jackasses were sitting in the middle of the street. So while I agree that there's a frustration when you have people not able to... They, they feel like they're not having their voices heard. They feel like their protests and their signatures and their whatever... The, the traditional avenues um, aren't getting across to the people who are actually in power and able to make these sorts of changes moving beyond that and actually causing physical harm to other people, I feel like hurts more than it helps. Because what you're doing, the people in the people in power in Parliament, whatever, they still don't give a shit. That wasn't their mom in the, the ambulance. They could get them in a helicopter because they got the cash for it. Um, you're just alienating the common people, the normal, everyday schlub who is now not going to support you at all because, you know, you paralyzed his mom. Or you, you know, prevented him from getting to work and he got fired or something like that. Um, so I, I think that more extreme action isn't always necessarily the best next step. It's not, it can actually work detrimentally 
and be worse than doing nothing. Well, if you're not going to like, okay, so if you're gonna make something of it, then yeah, you're gonna make a big crowd in a city center where you're gonna be heard, where you're gonna be seen, where you can make the news, because that's how you get the word out, and so that everyone knows what it is that's happening. In the case of what was it, the ex extinction something, rebellion, they're all yeah. about saving the earth, right? Yeah. So, okay, someone died because an ambulance couldn't get to them. That is tragic, but at the end of the day, the topic they're discussing is about saving not just people, but, um, you know, it, it, the whole world. It's not just people, it's the ecosystem, it's animals. It's like, I'm not going to go as far as Peter, because I think Peter go a bit far off the rails, but it's not just... It's not just about a single person. Like, if it calls attention to the event, yeah, it's tragic that someone died. But see, in the grand scheme of things, it was an unfortunate accident, and accidents happen. This is something that, like, really, really pisses me off, and that has been used to justify all kinds of atrocities throughout history. Um, it's like, oh, we're doing this for the greater good. We're doing this for the betterment of all mankind. We're doing this to save the planet. Um, it's it, it it's a way to justify if you use that kind of universal justification you can justify anything it's how you know the soviets justified the show trials it's how the bolsheviks justified murdering the royal family in russia it's how the the nazis justified you know getting rid of huge swaths of the quote unquote undesirable portions of their population when you have a universal good in mind like that or you're you're saving the planet you're saving the people you're 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 boosting up the proletariat, you're taking down the bourgeoisie, you can justify any sort of atrocity. So that's why I think it is important to keep those like hard regulations in place, limits on how far you can go. Because if you have a noble philosophy, you feel like you can do anything. But then you have like, I mean, all those examples you listed were kind of government sanctioned, like the Nazis... They were the government. They had control of the army. Yeah. But if the, peop if the people had rebelled at that time, if there had been a massive uprising, it wouldn't have gone nearly as far as it would have. It would have still been an atrocity that would have killed so many people. But if they had st stopped it early, if yeah. in the beer hall putsch, someone had just fucking glassed Hitler. So, <laughs> 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 uh, but like... If action had been taken then by the people, then it wouldn't have become that atrocious government that then but, did all these horrible things. And the same with the camel trials in Russia, and so it's the people getting dicked over. Not necessarily, because in in Russia they were the revolution. The people who like you well, know took Stalin. over, yeah, they were the revolutionaries. They were the revolutionaries. Well, Lenin yes. was like a, a, the closest thing to a revolutionary at Stalin that time. was part of them too. So the the history of the Bolshevik Re Revolution, Stalin actually was sent to Siberia for political crimes because he was one of these Bolsheviks after Lenin was expelled. Um, but Stalin, because the, the Siberian areas were so poorly guarded, Stalin just got back on a train and went right back to Moscow or St. Petersburg or wherever it was to join with the revolutionaries again and organize. And it was... It, people forget about this, but most of Russia actually supported the the Tsarist family, and it was only 
when the and it was it was only like the the urbanized European centers where the Bolsheviks really had power, and they leveraged that power to take over the country. They were You're saying, like Lenin and Stalin were best buddies. They were at first. They fucking were. Lenin did want to be seen in a photo with Stalin. Stalin had later. to Photoshop himself into a picture Much later. with Lenin. Much later. In the early stages, you should have heard some of the, the things that Lenin said about him. He praised him. He, he called him his little something or whatever. It was some, some little pet name. Before he became the guy that had the concentration camps and became essentially possibly the biggest mass murderer... When he had control of all of these courts and I could think, send people off to the gula equivalent of gulags. I think Mao and Genghis Khan still beat Stalin, but Stalin's pretty close. Yeah, probably. There were there I were mean, two, there's um so just a little little aside here. There's a fun quote um that <laughs> a I, fun I like. quotes with genocide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 a, but it, it, it puts it into perspective. There are two kinds of people that uh, killed more people than Hitler. Uh, communists and Mongols. And I mean yeah, I don't know. And they all come from the same place. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is Asia, but yeah. Um, um, but yeah, like... D d d d but us like, going out onto the streets and complaining in front of a government building, we're not, like, shooting the guards or, or beating up the people inside. We're just making our voices heard, and the news picks up on it, and suddenly everyone in the world... That's why, like, in America, you had the whole Black Lives Matter thing with George Floyd... And over in England, we picked up and we're like, yeah, it's not okay. So we're going to complain about it too. Yeah. But again, this is this is one of those those things where it's... I, I'm, this is one of the reasons I think the restrictions are so important is because when you start to have these universal ideas that travel around the world and don't apply everywhere. Like, they're, they're talking about, like, you know, the whole police brutality thing. That is an issue in some parts of the U.S., it really isn't in England. Like, that, it just, it isn't a problem over there. And so you end up with these people who just want to be revolutionaries. They want to be part of some kind of global movement in the UK. And they start talking about Black Lives Matter in the UK. And it's like, what? what? Like, it, it's, it's a purely Americanized thing. And they're trying to take this rubber stamp and place it on a completely different culture, completely different country. But well, I'm getting... what makes it Americanized? Like we still have boots in England, we can still crush a man's throat when we've gotten pulled over on a traffic stop. It wasn't even a gun he used; he just literally held it on him for what was it twenty minutes? Uh, nine minutes. Was it nine minutes? I could have sworn it was more than that. Yeah. I mean, either way, it's enough to kill a man. It is when he's got severe respiratory issues. But yeah. Um. But yeah. The the the. But I don't want to get bogged down in that because the reason I'm bringing up these or I'm, I'm countering these specific points is I'm going to bring it right back to the original point. Having these limitations, having restrictions on how far a protest can go and having these like official avenues that you can pursue to, you know, again, make people understand that there's an issue with a system is that once you have these universal ideas that protest things like they're saving all black people, they're saving the planet, they're, they're helping the poor, like these, these general concepts that don't apply to anything in reality. And when I say anything in reality, I mean a specific individual, like a specific, you can't go and go like Jeff, George, and Ringo over here, 
they're actually having some problems, and so we need to do this to help them. They're going like this general nebulous concept of the poor. Once you have like this universal concept, this nebulous cause that is going to be bigger than yourself and bigger than everyone else, it justifies anything. Are you happy with that as your closing statement? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have that be my closing statement. All right, I'll keep mine short. Um, you have to make these things global um, because, like, we are, we live in the most probably aside from maybe like parts of Europe, we're probably the most progressed countries in the world, and so it's our duty really to be the forerunners and be like, okay, this is absolutely not okay. Like, yeah, they get away with it in other countries. Tell you what, if you want to get away with it, fuck off that other country, because this is the civilized world, we do not want you here, right? Um, so, yeah, we absolutely have to be the strictest of the strict to set a good example for everyone else, and if that means we have to, you know, stand out on the streets in front of government buildings in the rain, shouting about our message, then that's what we got to do to, to lead, the, lead the good in the world. Okay. All right, that's yeah. It's not, that was it was interesting how that went. We kind of like left the format get a little looser near the end. I do want to say at the end, <laughs> just like you you made you made arguments that I hate very well. Oh, I, I was so oh God, it came arguments against what I was talking about came to me a lot easier. But I guess that's that's kind of the fun thing about this this format. Yeah. We're trying kind of forced to make arguments for stuff that we don't necessarily agree with one thing i'll yeah. clarify that i don't believe that i was i was making a case for there is occasionally and people knew this back in like the the 60s and 70s you know the whole civil disobedience thing people peacefully breaking the law to make a point but the thing is they, there were still consequences of that they still went to jail they still had to you know maybe lost their jobs or stuff like that Mm. You got to realize when you've like I, th this is where I think that there's justification for those sorts of more extreme actions, but you have to do it in a way that doesn't harm your own cause, doesn't turn people against you, and understand that bad things are going to happen to you as a result. You are still violating the law, <laughs> you know. So I don't know. Yeah, I, we went into a long history spiel for a while, so I tried to bring it back to... Uh, to yeah, I know, and we, we started getting uh, tied up into specific movements. That's why I tried to tie it yeah. back to, like... I think it was worth it for glassing Hitler in the Beatles. Which, like, <laughs> that, did, I, that image is hilarious. I'm just picturing, like, somebody, Hey, get off the stage! <laughs> but that, that's actually uh. what happened, though. It, he he failed in the Beer Hall Putsch. Um, yeah. yeah, they, yeah. They marched in the that street. That was, like, the very start of his... Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. ended up in jail. He wrote he wrote Mein Kampf in jail. Um, mm. He Germany was a weird case where the the revolution or the the revolutionary movement, the more extreme movement, um, the socialists took over by getting elected. And yeah, like, well, they got a popular vote by blaming things on other people. Yeah, exactly. Speci Which is essentially what politicians do these days. Specifically, but less the. Extreme. Um, yeah, the, the communists, uh, the finance people, and Das Juden. Oh, sorry, Die Juden. Mm. Um, Die Jungen? The children? No, Die Juden. <laughs> damn it. Anyway. Uh, yes, we have very little time for the second topic now, but let's uh, just give a quick thing and we'll, we'll jump right into it. Yeah, we, well, we, we've, got, we've probably got enough time to give it a full rundown. 
Um, so the next one is uh, so the classic nature versus nurture debate. Um, the idea that you know is a human being um, born as a I can't remember the philosopher, but they refer to it as a tabula rasa, a blank slate, um, mm-hmm. and that they're entirely a product of their upbringing and their environment and the other influences around them. Or are people, um, you know, is who they are biological? Is it something that comes about because of their genes, because of their their parents and their ancestry? Um, And I I think there are very few people out there. um, And the people who do think this out there are absolute fucking morons. Um, There are very few people that think purely on one side or the other. So the way I'm structuring this is one of us will be arguing that that one is by far and away the stronger influence. And I think we discuss you're going to be making the argument that uh, nurture, the environment you grow up in, is the stronger influence. Yeah. And I'll be making the argument that nature, your, you know, your, your genes and your biology is the stronger influence on who you are as a person as you grow up. Yeah. And just to reiterate, we're not going to go super extreme. We're not going to say like. If someone is born in a certain... Well, is, is born and, like, acts in a particular way, it can completely change their race. Like, <laughs> that's that's not what we're doing here. We're trying to keep it to a sensible level, but just yeah. either end of the spectrum. And, again, to clarify, just like before, uh, my personal opinion is that it's a pretty even split. I, I, I personally think that um, they're around equal in terms of how they influence you um mm. your environment and your biology i'm slightly more leaning towards the nurture um yeah. category to be honest but uh i mean if we want to talk about homosexuality that could be a good place to start guys if you want to kick mm. off with that oh yeah i can i can do that um well i mean this is actually one that's that's been decently well researched um <laughs> uh, what they've found is that um, there's a significant, like, in utero effect uh, in terms of, uh, you know, whether or not you are somewhere on the whole, uh, I guess, I wanted to call I was going to say spectrum. on a spectrum, but that's, yeah. that's, that's a different thing. Uh, it's a spectrum. Okay. Yeah. But basically, you'll end up with um, in utero exposure to large amounts of either testosterone or estrogen. Um, in the womb can actually have a pretty strong effect on determining whether or not somebody is going to be, you know, gay or or straight later in life. Um, so that that's the nature argument for that is that it's it's based on in utero exposure to hormones, um, mm. and then you know that that kind of develops you you kind of are developed into either being you know gay, lesbian, straight, whatever. That's 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 the nature argument. There's really not much more to say to it than that. <laughs> well, I haven't seen the, the case studies myself. I'm not one for uh, the that that side of it. But in my at least in my experience, I think the surrounding the the surroundings that you grew up in greatly determines whether like which, which side you fall on. Um, I make it sound like it's a this thing or that, but. Um, let's say you gr- you're growing up in England 50 years ago the odds that you um, identify as straight far higher because 
people are not okay with you being gay. And I get what you're going to say. You're going to say, oh, but even if they don't say they're gay, they're still... They can still be gay. <laughs> they're hiding the gay inside. Yep, they're in the closets. Just going to pull them out. Trapped in um, the closet. But honestly, like, if you're so afraid that you can't... Of, of believing in a certain thing, you're naturally not going to want to go down that path anyway. I think people would try, almost try harder to be straight in this case. Um, so it depends where you draw the line of whether someone is straight because they're being forced to be straight, or straight because they like women, if you're a guy, or vice well, versa. I'll use um, England as a as a perfect example of why I think there's a stronger case for the, the nature side of things in this, in this case. And I do want to move away from sexuality, because I think there's there's more things to discuss on this topic than yeah. that. But um, in England in the 1900s, it was illegal. And you could actually be forcefully sterilized if you were found to be gay um, yep. under the law. So I think there's a very compelling argument that if you, even if you were uh, gay, you wouldn't say anything about it. Because essentially, you're going to get fucked up on pills and have you... Well... Yeah, know, the person who made the Enigma machine. Uh, that's that's the guy I'm thinking of. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think we've all well, we've both seen the film that's about it. But um, yeah, Turing. He uh, he he solved the the code that was going between the German U-boats and the High Command, so that they could the British forces and American forces would know what's where where the Germans' naval positions were, and it helped win the war. Mm. Unfortunately, the guy that made that was gay and he would go to like he had a, a, a romance with another man and that man sold him out and he was chemically ca castrated yep they didn't kill him which was honestly uh, a, a positive considering at that time people probably would have killed gay people um, depends on the region of the world but yeah he essentially saved thousands of lives they still chemically castrated him. Um, so yeah, th that is as good a story as any to be like, this is why you should not be gay. Um, and further, that, I mean, it, it's your experience with people that um, that really determine whether you whether you like them or not. So your your argument in that case though is that so I'm I'm arguing that people would be biologically determined to be either gay or straight. Um, and the fact that laws like that existed would convince them to hide it. You're arguing sort of it, that laws like that are the reason that people would be gay or straight because the laws are essentially culturally influencing them. Again, nurture, their environment is influencing them towards... Is making them be straight. Okay. I, I see your point. It's, it's basically where is the starting point? Because if... it's This is what makes... Um, this particular debate very difficult um and let's let's move away from sexuality for a second because yeah uh one of the other points and this is this is another very controversial one um intelligence whether it's uh you know biologically determined or not and you can you want to open this one up with the uh environmental nurture argument uh, so, so i i i am not going to de deny that if you have a disability it's not going to affect yeah. your let's barring 
yeah, let, let's let's I should set that as baseline. Barring any sort of um, genetic issue or biological issue that you know you you're autistic, you have Down syndrome, you have some other ability that makes or some disability that makes it so you know you're not having the same cognitive ability as as the average person. And yet, even then, you do get doctors and professors, famous people out there. I mean, um. His name. I think he died recently. You know who I'm trying to talk about? He was on. Um, I'm not trying not to be offensive because. Are you talking about Stephen Hawking? Stephen Hawking. He had. Oh, what was it? He had some kind of mental disability, I believe. I mean, the dude was in a wheelchair and he talked through a speaking spell. Like it was. Yeah, but that's just a physical thing. I think that was a mental thing he had as well. But. You know, I mean, th- th- there's plenty of people out there, is my point, that yeah. even with these setbacks, are still far smarter than the average person. I, I yeah? think Elon Musk is somewhere on the spectrum, too. I, I might be wrong about that, but I'm, I think he, he's, like, either mildly autistic or he has he has some some condition like that. Mm. So, But again, barring people like that, so if we're just talking about, like, the average man or woman... I think, But I think that they're a good, they're a good show of... If you put in the hard work, yeah, you're going to be more intelligent. But I think the people, the, the smartest people out there in the world today are the ones who have the greatest drive to commit to learning something. Who don't, you know, get home at the end of the day and just eat food and sleep. They progress themselves. So I, I think the drive to get up and do something is a big part of the way that a person ends up being. Because... I mean, even if it's a, if someone has like a hobby, they like uh, they like uh, mechanics, and they like tennis. Mm-hmm. If a person's drive sends them down the tennis route, they're not going to be able to be a mechanic, just flat out. So, counterpoint to this, the the because they're all of those things that you described could be attributed to to nature as well. The drive is there; it's what allows these talents to manifest. But the nature argument is that biologically all of those like all of that raw talent the full breadth of your potential is already predetermined by your biology so for instance um use an example from my personal life like um pretty much everyone in my family is good at math literally like my i have uncles who are engineers i have two math teachers that are an aunt and an uncle uh one at the college level one at the high school level both my cousins great at math. I'm an engineer. Like my dad, he basically went to college for sports, and then when he decided later in life I needed a better degree, he went. He took like advanced math courses, and he can, like he he went right through them. He had graded them, and that was like when he was in his thirties. Um, so, or maybe it was forties. I think he was in his forties at that point. But, but my point being, there's obviously a genetic predis disposition towards a certain like academic field that runs throughout I, my family and i, I don't think so because i'm oh, sorry i thought you finished your point no, no 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 and my point is that and that's that's an anecdotal example but mm. i think you see these trends in wider society um like in terms of how intelligence manifests like if you look at the broad use men and women as an example in terms of intelligence if you look at the the actual curve of like the average IQ and IQ is a flawed measurement but it's at least a standardized one if you look at men and women there are 
much more geniuses and morons among men, like very low IQ and very high IQ, whereas women all seem to concentrate towards the middle. There's much more, but that that's a biological that's a biological difference you can point to. I know that's controversial these days, saying that there's a biological difference between men and women, but it and it it manifests in terms of how their intelligence stacks out. Okay, I got uh, two points, major points to, to counter there. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, I feel like the men in society these days are driven to be, like, they still are, despite what people may say, they're driven to be the breadwinners, right? Mm-hmm. And so they are either going to succeed or flop. Like, if they, if they can make someone proud, if they can pass it all, then yeah. They're gonna they're gonna try their fucking hardest and they're gonna get like go for the gold, or they're gonna fail horribly. Um, with women, uh, there's not as much pressure. I wouldn't say. I mean, certainly in, among some people who think that uh, women should be higher than men, they have a lot of drive. I'm stepping on eggshells here. Uh, You're stepping and... on the eggshells very gently, and I'm gonna stomp them in a minute. So. <laughs> Um, but you still see, like, you know, the the, the British equivalent of um, Donald Trump, Saran Sugar. Hmm. His uh, second-in-command, essentially, is a lady who also owns a football team. Like, she's clearly got fuck-tons of drive. Yeah. And she's just like, no, I'm gonna make a statement, I'm going to be... The best. Whether she does it because she's a woman or because she's just grown up wanting to be the best, I think that's its own thing. Second thing, regarding your family being all good at maths, take my family, for example, we're generally very good with computers. Mm. Probably the, the reason that I put it down to is that when we were growing up, we had a computer because our dad used a computer. When we used the computer, he showed an interest in us using the computer because he understood what we were doing. If I started, I don't know, campaigning for free rights activism, as far as I'm aware, my dad hasn't done any like campaigning or anything like that, but he wouldn't know what I was doing and he wouldn't, he probably wouldn't pay really any interest. Hmm. Um, like, don't get me wrong, people can still do that. And people do do that when they want to branch out, or if they have very differing opinions from their family. But you have a very co- cohesive family, as do I. And so I think, naturally as a child, you want to make your parents happy, you want to talk to them, you want there to be some interaction between the whole family. And so people are shoehorned down a particular way. It's like the whole... Um, that was a quote from Civilization that I can't remember now. But it was about, like... Um, you know, the, the the father wants the son to continue in their tradition and be better than what they are because that's what yeah. they know how to do, so they will teach their son how to do that. Go on. There's there's actually a, a really good quote that's similar to that one. Um, uh, I mean, that wasn't the quote. That was yeah, no, fucking... no, 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 but, but it's, it's similar in, in premise, and it's... Um, yeah. it, I can't, I'm going to put... I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but the quote is something like, um, uh, society is doomed when uh, men don't plant when men stop planting trees, the shade of which they will never sit under or something like that. The idea being that a healthy society is one where 
you know, you, you plant a tree knowing that it will never be full grown in your lifetime, but your, you know, children and grandchildren will be able to enjoy it. And yeah. tree is a metaphor, but like just that you're taking care of society for the next generation. But I'm going to come back here and just completely argue that everything you just said was nurture is actually nature. And I'm going to point what? to our closest, uh, you know, genetic relatives, you know, apes, right? Think of how yeah. you're, you're making the argument that it's social pressure that, and to an extent, it probably is social pressure uh, that pushes men into like these highly competitive, competent, like um, kind of roles to be the breadwinners and stuff like that. But I'd argue that even that social pressure is a biological element. If you look at the way, you know, apes and chimps and things structure their family groups, that is exactly how they behave. That that social interaction is part of their their nature. The fact that like you've got the men taking care of the family group, being the protectors and being the gatherers, and you've got the you know the females of the, the ape group, you know, taking care of the social aspect of things. Um, and I feel like the way humans behave, that's a manifestation of that. And even what you're talking about there with like you know the children seeing their you know their parents what they're doing and learning from them i'd argue that that is biologically hardwired into you know the the human brain is that the children are biologically programmed to see what their parents are doing and see that as favorable to take an interest in that to study it what were you gonna say by that logic i'm Bursting to use this. I know. I could see you. You were you're squirming in your seat as I was saying. That. Oh, I'll shut up. I will shut up, and I will listen. <laughs> By that logic, you could say, okay, the first cell that ever entered the planet had to evolve in this way to become this, and everything was all part of a grand plan, and everyone had to act in this exact same way for the whole of the universe. That I'm sorry, but just saying that like that's that's nature because it's humanity, and humanity came from this and this and this and this. That's just like saying, yeah, okay, everything, society, government, taxes, all came from the fact that we are human. I can't deny that, because that's just, nature is the entire universe. That's right, I just used biology to prove the existence of fate. Mic drop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, everything that happens in the universe is... You alright? That's a cell phone. Sorry. Okay, it sounds like a small cow vibrating. Yeah, I know it's it's a very loud phone. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you so, guys couldn't yeah. see that on camera, but I just threw yeah. the phone across the room. Yeeted it. Um, the okay, so I, I I understood we were talking about this on like a, a direct family to family basis, and so okay, I'll take it in a different way. Mm-hmm. You're born, and tragically, your entire family has died. You become orphaned, you get given to, get given, get adopted by a new family, completely yeah. different blood relative. You are going to probably do the same exact thing that I was saying just then, where like the father or the mother are very invested in something. You're probably going to follow that line of thinking. It is not in your blood because the first people were farmers and the second people you came to were computer technicians. You're probably not going to go with the whole farmyard thing. Because you're going to be brought up and nurtured around computers. You ready for this? I got something in my back pocket for this. Fucking come at me, bro. Twins. <laughs> there are plenty of cases of twins that are separated at birth, 
they're brought up not with their biological family and you'll end up like there was like one i remember reading about where like both dudes they grew up completely across the country completely different states they both ended up being firefighters and they looked they still looked identical they had very similar personalities they actually married women with the exact same name they both had the same number of kids and are there more than one example of that? There are multiple examples of this. That was the most extreme example I've seen. But there's multiple examples of twins okay. growing up separate and having either similar personalities. They go into similar jobs. I mean, obviously, they look the same. They're fucking this twins. This sounds but... a lot like Brave New World, guys. Are you sure this is where <laughs> you're getting your sources? <laughs> I will take a, a break character for a moment to state and remind people that I am trying to argue for the pure nature argument here. I don't necessarily believe everything I'm saying. But I'm using all my powers of argument to make the case. I think that there's always going to be examples where, oh my god, two people split up and they both banged blonde chicks. But, <laughs> sorry, that was a very crass way of putting it, but this is kind of what I get. Like, okay, yes, there's a coincidence, they're both firefighters. Uh, but, okay, if one of them had gone to, like, a, I don't know, let's say a very well-off family, and the mm. other fa kid had gone to, like, someone in the yeah. slums in Africa they're so, not going to be firefighters they wouldn't be but I'd, I'd argue that what you'd then do to try and prove this theory and I don't have an example of this but if I were going to try and you know, design a study to prove this I would find mm. an example like that and then look at you know what opportunities they have and did they pursue similar interests so maybe they you know these two families one's well off one's very poorly off did the one who was very poorly off maybe join the military and the one who's very well off go into, I don't know... A different government job. Yeah, politics or something like some other civil service like that's associated with more well-off people. So did they, did they pursue similar interest even though they're in very different nurture circumstances? And I, I don't have any evidence uh, to say what that would look like. Yeah, we don't actually have any statistics on any of this, so we can't yeah. give that... Yeah, and I, um, I meant to. We are. We should probably wrap up soon. But yeah. one one thing I, I I should have mentioned on camera that I or on recording that I didn't earlier was there's an old adage in debate uh, that which has been presented without evidence can be dismissed without evidence. We've kind of thrown that out for the sake of this because we're just in this segment trying to make the intellectual argument for these two points, not necessarily trying to pull specific real world example we, we touched a few real world examples but we didn't go like th this this person on this date that this happened because that's not really what this is about it's an intellectual uh exercise and my closing statement will be a personal thing that happened in the real world okay <laughs> let's hear the anecdote uh, no, i was just gonna say like obviously anyone who's been listening to the channel for any length of time knows that i'm not straight um when I was going through, like, up till up till the end of uh, basically school, when I when I started going into college, so that was what I was like the gaining, fourteen to sixteen. I can't remember. Yeah, all the way up till then, I had absolutely zero interest in men. When I went to college, and it was an entirely different kind of seen from the places I've been previously previously have been very uh, proper and prim and you kind of keep your opinions to yourself went to this college very open people, very 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 
some would say too open uh and it was like and i was in the art block there, one of the so, things you know. that was open was the legs yeah <laughs> Sorry. Like, my point was like i i i've been in an, an old boy's place mm. which can be pretty fucking merciless for like oh, of course four years and then i'd gone into this college this art corridor and there were you know women sitting on each other's laps and like joking around and talking about stuff that you would never fucking talk about in that sort and over like the months I started becoming like okay I'm hearing other people talk about these things I'm thinking about them a lot more and now I think I maybe I actually have a different opinion based on the area around it like I didn't think I would have if I stayed at the grammar school the old boys' school, sorry. I don't think I would have uh, come to that conclusion. Or at least definitely not that soon. Okay. I can see that. And, like, so, I'll, I'll, my closing point will, again, be an anecdote. Um, but, again, an anecdote that argues towards the nature side of things. Yeah. Um, my dad, very athletic man. He basically, you know, moved... His, his college days were spent, like, sports. Um, you know, basketball, hockey... Uh, softball, like I remember, like some of my earliest memories were like going to see my dad play hockey. Like uh, he, he was in like a you know a minor minor league thing that he, he did around the uh, the area where he grew up. And me growing up, I had very little interest in sports. Which, sorry, dad. Um, <laughs> but like, are you he, about like, to say you're a child of the milkman? <laughs> I no, but but let me get to the point. <laughs> very little interest in in most traditional sports i you know i loved video games and stuff like that so i definitely had like a competitive streak to me yeah. and I'd, I'd watch sports on tv with him but it was more just as a kid i was just like like spending time with my dad um and you know he you know we we played like street hockey and stuff like that he taught me to play basketball and, and baseball and stuff like that he took me to softball game no uh t-ball games did all this stuff didn't really catch for me then i hit puberty Right. And I hit like, you know, late high school, early college days. And I started doing like track and field and cross country, realized I'm actually pretty good at this stuff. And then when I got to college, I was like, you know what? I actually really, in I, I really enjoy watching football. I like, I really enjoy our football, not your football. Um, you know, I, I actually enjoy watching hockey and these other, and it was, it was something that I had taken no interest in my entire life, despite his active efforts to, you know, enjoy this thing with me, to, to like, watch sports together and do play sports together and stuff like that, didn't stick. But then just naturally, as a course of my life, I realized, wow, I actually do really like this stuff. And I think that that's, that's a point uh, for, for the biology. Again, anecdote. But And, um, yeah, you look like you have something to say. No, 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 no. Okay. Um, so I, one thing I wanted to do quickly um, now, so out of character, we're not debating for yep. these these sides anymore. I'm going to make a quick description of my actual philosophy on this. Go for it. I do think that there's an element of both. Your description there of um, hmm. your anecdote there, I think that's something that a lot of people experience when it comes to sexuality. Like it's very rare that you have somebody who is purely gay or purely straight yeah a lot of people are capable of moving along that sort of spectrum of sexuality and it's only but, but it's up to them to kind of determine where exactly they fall and what what's going to be right for them 
and nature nurture has a big part part of that but i believe it yeah. starts with nature and then how it manifests is you know going through the nurture side of things and yeah. the same thing with intelligence i think that people are born with the capacity for certain talents and things but it's their their life that allows those things to actually manifest do they have the drive like you were talking about to achieve something um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's my I'm, personal philosophy um despite everything i just argued for yeah, well for, well the first the first thing we talked about guys i was very against the things that i was saying in my opinion but yeah that's whatever. true but i mean um, i feel like that's <laughs> sorry just one one last thing um okay. i feel like this exercise is something more people should do because it's mm. it's very enlightening to argue for something that you completely disagree with and hear it coming from your own mouth yeah yeah like can you make the argument for your opponent because if you yeah. can't then maybe you haven't done enough research and don't really understand your opponent yeah um and just to yeah your your final what you thoughts. just did um yeah I, I i fully accept there are there are integral parts of the human condition that are brought about through dna i think a lot of them can be changed over the course of time especially with you know some of the weird fucking studies we're coming up with these days uh some of them only superficially you can change yourself mm. but god knows where we're going to be in 50 years time um yeah i i i, I don't know and I, i'm sorry i also made it very about um homosexuality it's fine because it's it's one it, of it's the it's something that i i kind of that's that's where i hear about it most obviously but it, it it's a prime i think we 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 touched on two things and that was you know sexuality and intelligence um those were yeah. the two things we focused on other ways we could have gone would be physical ability but i think when we're talking about physical ability that's something that's much more clearly biological cuz i'm never going to be 6 feet tall <laughs> Oh, I thought you meant, like, whether someone could grow muscles or not. Well, grow muscle, yeah, but they're, like, even your ability to grow muscle. So, I'll... This is another anecdotal example. Um, I, like... Yeah, yeah, I, just, I saw what you just said there. I just saw it, and I was like, what? We, we've been go we, I said at the beginning of this podcast <laughs> it was going to be a long one. We're at two hours yeah. and 17 minutes. Um... But I think we had a lot to talk about today. It's not like we've just been waffling on. Oh, yeah, it's been packed. The, the topics were were something that we both really wanted to talk about. The movie was awesome. We didn't even finish awesome. the topics. We didn't even finish. The, there was a third topic we didn't get to. Yeah. Um, and then this debate segment ended up being a lot of fun. Because I think both of us like arguing. Not, not... Debating. <laughs> yeah. I like I'm going to argue with you about this. It's debating, guys. I'm not arguing, you plebeian. I... I am using the classic definition of arguing, which is you're making an argument. Blue's fiddling with his mustache. I thought I had like the the, the fucking. The, I actually the... can do that. Look at just... All right, sorry. See, I smile. It looks like it's part of it. All right, we're just we've completely <laughs> gone off the rails. But let us know what you thought of this segment. I like. We obviously had a lot of fun with it. Um, yep. And I think that I encourage people to try and do this, even if you're not doing it with another person. But try in your own time, in your own mind, try to make your opponent's argument. And I think mm. that that's, that's something that's very important. Even if you completely disagree, understanding 
why somebody is making the argument for what they're making the argument for is very valuable. And also, if you are going to then have a debate with someone about it, then you've already reflected on what the things are that they could bring up, and hmm. so you will be better prepared in making your own argument if you know where they're coming from. And, and you won't be flustered if somebody comes out and goes like, Ha-ha, this! And you're like... Ha-ha, the gay card! <laughs> I know it well. You won't be you won't be tempted to to devolve into kind of attacks on the person, and you can actually yeah. interrogate what they're saying rather than what they're thinking, or than, than who they are. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Okay. We we are so far over, but I I had so much fun recording t- this week's podcast. This this was awesome. Um. But yeah, let us know what you think. Um. God. All right. Yeah. This is going to be the end of episode 63 of the Team CJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you will hear us again next week. China?